on episode 95 of Pixel Gaiden. Cody becomes judge in our latest game show. Eric talks the current state of emulation. What is our favorite computer from across the sea? Cody goes over the entire Genesis shmup library. Lots of retro-inspired modern indie love. Eric spends time with a new C64 OS. Tim has more pickups to discuss. Eric spends some time with the next game. And Tim gets down with some Pump Kid. Well, good day, family and friends. I am thankful for you all. This is Cody Hoffman. And this is Eric Nelson. And by the time you guys hear this, you will have enjoyed your delicious turkey dinners and awkward conversations with the family. (laughs) Yeah. Over Thanksgiving. Unless you're in England in which you just carried on and ate your brown mushy peas or whatever it is. (laughs) Uh, You have reached the number one place for all retro video game talk and retro-inspired video games tech <laughs> i always want to say talking tech yeah um here on pixel guide and we uh talk about all the good retro video game things uh on this particular episode eric and i will be joined shortly by our buddy tim drew from jolly england and um is england jolly or is that a misconception is it really that I- jolly yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a misconception, especially these days. <laughs> with the with the rain and the mushy peas, I can't I can't understand how jolly could possibly be. But you know what? Um, anyways, we are going to go ahead and hop in very quickly into some quick questions, like we always do. Eric, you have a take for us today, a little segment on emulation. You say? Yep. Also, all, all facets of emulation. What? How? How? I, how I'm feeling about it these days? How I utilize emulation. Uh, and versus real equipment, and uh, I think it's uh, it's discussed a lot online, uh, kind of in c- conversations and arguments. And I just want to put draw the line in the sand how I feel about it. So that's what I, I like did. it. So we've got that coming up shortly after that. Uh, Cody's corner is back, and I made up for lost time by making it in a way too extremely long. Uh, segment. <laughs> so um, I will tell you right now, it is about, I'm, I'm going to play through all of the Sega Genesis shmups and uh, discuss each and every one of them briefly and get them a quick letter grade. I've always wanted to, to dig into that library. Um, and I did a two-parter because I, I hit the 47-minute mark on this particular segment, Eric, and decided, you know what, that'll be part one of two to be continued in December. So... I'm- I'm looking forward to it because I, I love the shmups that I know on the Genesis, but I, I think I only know like maybe four or five. Yeah, I think it's it's an underserved um, uh, genre on the Genesis that needs some more love. So I, I decided I'd be the man to take up the, the torch and, and check it out. So, um, And then when Tim, Tim joins us, we're going to go ahead, as we like to do, go ahead and uh, catch up. We're going to have a game show I've prepared, and then we have a... Battle of the Systems, and Eric, can you remember long, long ago when we played those two games to talk about them today? 
I do. So the first one is, so this, these are both kind of eight bit shmups, um, or shoot 'em ups or shooters, whatever you want to call them. The first one is bandits with an exclamation point bandits. on the Commodore 64. And then the other one is Ultron on the BBC micro of uh, the British, the famous British computer. So famous. I didn't realize we are very shmup heavy this episode, but we'll be talking about all kinds of different stuff. So if you're not a shmup fan, there's still plenty for you to listen to. Um, just feel free to skip those sec- segments. Anyways, let's hop right on in to some quick questions. Quick questions. All right, Eric, how about you grab the first quick question, which I have up on the screen right here? Yep. The first one is from 48K Ram, Josh Malone. And he asks, well, what I want to know is, Cody and Eric, what's your favorite British computer? Um, and, and then he goes on and says, uh, nope. So that's that that's us. And then Tim has a part of this question, too. But for you and me, what's your favorite British computer? Do you want to go first there, Cody? I do. Um Hmm. Now this one legitimately is difficult, um, and I want. So I've I've I have a lot of answers. I mean, it's got to be the Spectrum because it's the one byte that I've played by far the most of the British computers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I love them all. I really want to or think I could love the Amstrad CPC. Uh, the problem is purely that. As soon as I got my Amstrad and I got up and working and everything, I had it plugged into my Amiga monitor, uh, played it for a little bit, was starting to have a blast with it, and then moved, and my Amiga monitors haven't worked since. So I haven't played my Amstrad in over a year, and I actually tried to get it up uh, the other day, and I, long story short, haven't been able to get it back up. And there's been a huge resurgence in the uh, Amiga um homebrew scene i've seen a whole bunch of new amiga games and stuff and they just look so cool and they have a great um chunky colorful graphics like that are very specific to the the amstrad and um and so i want to say the amstrad but uh the zx spectrum has to be has to be the choice i don't i don't know what else i could pick realistically really not giving that much attention to any other one at this point now let me ask you this question about about your about your answer um, which of your Spectrum machines do you love the most? Well, I, ha- you I have, have several. Well, I have three because I have the a ZX81, but that's not a Spectrum. Um, I have to. I love the original uh, 48K Dead Flesh. It's so unique and funky, and I love that one. Yeah. Um, I have the Next, which of course is where I play most of my games nowadays and that thing's amazing and but it's just not the classic um quirky spectrum that the spectrum is the the tiny little uh I don't know what you call that little, little <laughs> I guess just the dead dead flesh keys. Right. How about you Eric? Yeah, so the first British computer I ever imported in was a, a ZX Spectrum 128K plus 2. Plus 2, that's right. And I I I love that. I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, like like the Amiga AGA, there's not a ton for the the 128K. You know, there there are many games, but not not a ton. And then when Tim sent me over the 48K, uh, that one has stayed on my desk ever since because uh, it's <laughs> so small. 
and versatile, you know, coupled with the div MMC, you could just boot that guy up and play a game and, and the, the huge library is right there. And so that one I think is my, is my favorite of them all. I, when he sent me that big old BBC micro though, I mean, I've been digging in that <laughs> and I, I, I love the colors. I love that it's built to withstand a nuclear explosion. It really um, is the exact opposite of everything. The 48 K spectrum is. It is, it is. And I love that about it. And I, and I, we've, we've got some time to play that this month because it's one of our uh, games that we're playing for the versus game. Um, so I pulled it out and it didn't work and I literally opened it up and shook everything and it started working again. It's kind of, it's kind of one of those things in my mind, like it's a big cantankerous beast, um, <laughs> but it worked and it's, I love it, but I, I got to give the nod to the 48 K spectrum all so many games and so much fun. So I think we're both aligned in our thoughts on that. Very much so. All right. The next question here is from Paul, a.k.a. Hermski. He says, name a game you purchased on a win. So we answered this, like, I think in our first season. Yeah, I think so. So I know what your answer is going to be. Name a game you purchased on a whim without looking it up. One that the box art really wowed you enough to buy, but was a total disappointment. Eric, tell me about helicopters. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do have that one. That one, like, we've talked about that one with Super Huey that I picked up at the Roseville auction here. But I'm going to pick another one this time. And And it was another game I bought at the Roseville auction. Cause that's where I bought my games as a kid. Cause they were cheaper. Uh, but it was a game called B one nuclear bomber. And it was by yep. Avalon Hill, which I, I knew as a kid because they made uh, war games, Strategy like tabletop games. Yeah. Games. yeah. Um, but they, they kind of spread out and started making video games. And I saw this really cool cover and it had a, you know, a, a big, you know, nuclear bomber on the front. And I was like, this is it. This is, this is the game of the, that I'm going to play, you know, buy and play forever and love it and took it home. And it literally is like a text adventure. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. It's a text. It's a, <laughs> it, it shows the cockpit, but you have to type every command in like where you're going Aim North. <laughs> yeah. Like arm missile, you know, it's like, and honestly, I think I'd appreciate it more nowadays, but as a kid that wanted a flight simulator, I was heavy into helicopter simulators and flight simulators, man, that was so disappointing. Yeah. I, and I wait, cause money was sparse back then, you know? So I was like, Oh, I just blew this money on this game. So and you're trying to do the right thing and actually pay for a computer channel. Yep. Exactly. So about you, what about you? So, the the one I can think of, and I probably talked about this again, was I used to go up and down the aisles in Toys R Us, right? And I've saved up my money or else my parents said, hey, you've, I will give you $50 to buy one game. And of course, me being the cheapskate I am, I'm like, well, this game is only $20. This one's 25 I can get these two games instead of buying the next Mega Man, which I would have loved, by the way. Oh, right. <laughs> and um, so I bought a lot of garbage games and yep. um, didn't realize the value of quality titles. So the the one that comes to my mind is a game that is very much loved and dear to me now because of how bad it was and this whole situation. But it was a game called Amagon. And uh, I still own uh, the physical boxed copy of it. I'm not going to sell it. Um First of all, it's not worth that much, but it's uh, a it's a little you know side scrolling platformer game where you're this little Amazon guy that shoots this little pea shooter gun, and um, there's like jungle creatures. I don't, it's just terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And uh, as soon as I started playing it, I just went, "Oh no!" <laughs> like, oh, this yeah. is not good. Because to me, you what know, have I done? 
Yeah, when I was a kid, I mean, like, I, I don't know, in hindsight, it, it frustrates me, but, um, you know, it was a Nintendo game, so they're all made by Nintendo, so how could any of them be bad? They're all great games, and, and yeah, that, it was not made by Nintendo, and it was not a great game, so. Amagom had a really cool, colorful, you know, like, George of the Jungle-looking art on the front, so. I've never heard of it, so I might exactly. have to look a video up. I won't play it, <laughs> but I will look it up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, really quick, we have a little bit of errata and feedback. Uh, these are all, uh, well, <clears throat> two of these. One of these was self-caught by me. No one called us out on anything. Um, the I, I went ahead and mentioned uh, that I thought some, a game might have been made in Czechoslovakia, yeah. which um, apparently has not been a country for like 40 years, Eric. Yeah, it's been a long, long... I remember, <laughs> I think, I, I literally remember in school hearing about Czechoslovakia, and then I don't think I think that I think that's when it flushed down the toilet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it is now the Czech Republic and Slovakia. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, my bad for dropping that, and I'll be I'll own it. I I learned something. I honestly, and I looked it up too because I felt weird saying it. I'm like, why does that seem wrong? So somewhere in my subconscious, I must have known that. Uh, but I looked it up and proved myself. Yeah, no, they're two different countries. They have nothing to do with um, with nowadays. So. My I'm surprised bad. our listeners from uh, from the Czech Republic and, and Slovakia. There are a couple. Well, uh, According to the numbers, we have a couple listens from that area. So, um, are they are they Slovakians and 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 Czechlins? I not, I don't know. <laughs> that's errata. Might might as well write that one down for next week. Exactly. Uh, and the other one I want to call I, I want to call sanction out. I want to call Tim out. Okay. And I just thought about this the other day. I'm like, I need to put that in erotic because it's so hilarious to me. So, Sanction is his, you know, his, uh, what do you call it? Social media handle, right? His That's handle, on Twiddle, yeah. Twitter and a couple other sites, I'm, I'm sure. But um, So, Tim goes by Sanction, which is a game that was made famous on, uh, I mean, I guess it was both on the Spectrum and the Commodore 64. Um, and it's a side-scrolling shooter, and I tried playing it a few times. No, ooh, classic Commodore game or classic Spectrum games. It must be good, right? I hear a lot about this game, and I do not like that game. It is, <laughs> it is wow. garbage. Blah blah blah. So, anyways, Tim was over. I had him playing on the next, and I loaded Sanction up. I'm like, hey, this is your game. Like, I don't know how to play this. I, I must be getting something wrong. Show me how you do it. And he was just as bad as I was. And I'm like, wait a minute, you named yourself after a game that you suck at? And sure yeah. enough, yes, he did. <laughs> and he owns it. So, <laughs> sorry to call wow. him out here on the show. <laughs> but I, I called I him out I on the show. I've played it a long time ago, but I don't remember much about it. So, oh, man, I'll, have to, I'll have to try to dig back into that and see what's up. Yep, yep. And you can announce this last one because I know... Uh, yeah, so we got insight. a new... We got a new Patreon su- supporter that didn't quite make it into uh, the song that you did this month. Uh, so I just wanted to give him a little shout out for the half a month, and that is his name is Mark Richardson. So thank you, thank Mark. you, Mark Richardson. This is where I put in uh, applause, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, great. So we knocked that down. Uh, we're going to go ahead and let you guys hear some show information. Uh, right after that, we're going to dig into Eric's take, where he talks about emulation, and Cody's corner, where I talk a whole lot about Genesis shmups. On the flip side, we'll crack open some beers, and Tim will join us for uh, the game show. So we will see you then. You can get show information on our podcast at pixelguiden.com. 
You can also listen to our show on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos Podcast. You can reach us on Twitter using at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Eric at the project. That's at D-U-H-P-R-O-J-E-C-T. And you can reach Cody at oddball, which is at O-D-D. BA1149. You can also reach me, that's Tim, at Sanxion, and that's at S A N X I O N. Please review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcatchers that you use. It really helps us out. You can email us on podcast at pixelguiden.com. And we'd love any feedback. And also, please let us know if we've done anything wrong, and we'll mention it on the next show. We also have a Patreon account set up, so if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. And this month we're rocking it old school. <laughs> with Eric's Take uh, on the Pixel Guiden podcast. Uh, for this month, I'm going to do another one-take, off-the-cuff uh, discussion about emulation. 
uh, it's something that's been on my mind the last two or three weeks, and that's why I kind of like this format of Eric's Take where I can just talk about what's been on my mind and, and uh, kind of in a more free-flowing format. So let's talk about emulation first. I see a lot of people battling online. They, they'll usually streamers on YouTube, they'll stream only real equipment. Um, I see people that only do emulation. Uh, and there's a, there is a lot of negativity like anything online um, regarding emulation. And my thoughts, my thoughts about it are you should play a game any way you're comfortable with. I don't, it doesn't matter to me whether you use a PC, a Mac, uh, Steam Deck, uh, those like an Anbernic device, whatever, you should play the games and enjoy them in any way you can. And that's the way I've always felt about it. Um, so in this take, what I want to talk about is my personal history with emulation, uh, which can be summarized pretty quickly because back in the day when the early emulators started to come out, I remember one was called Nesticle and there was a few other ones. Um, I wasn't into it, mainly because I wasn't into retro. So I just never really got into uh, emulation and didn't use it. And then later on in the last 10, 15 years, maybe 10 years, um, I install emulators a lot and I tinker with them and test them, but I don't really use them, especially on PC. And I think it's more because of the tactile feel of the controllers, original controllers, and because my collection has grown and grown over the last 15 years to where I have a lot of the original equipment and I do enjoy using original equipment when I'm doing something for the show because I want the, I want, I want the real feeling about it. I, um, short of getting the boxed copy of it or whatever, which isn't always feasible. I, I want it. I want the real controller. I want the real experience. So I do tend to, um, try to use real equipment for the show. And in the last probably four years, I've really, started to use device emulate or emulation on devices. And one of the reasons is, is that to me, for some reason in my mind, and I know this might not make sense to some people, it is different when it's a mobile device with the controllers and the buttons and stuff like that versus a PC where I'm just playing it on my PC. I don't know why. I know there's not a ton of difference, but, um, and, it, and then again, I don't do that a lot when it's regarding the show, unless it's a long game that requires something like save states. And I will say that is the killer app for me in regards to um, emulation is features kind of like save states and um, and rewinding and things like that. They are very helpful when... You have a lifestyle like mine where I do a lot of stuff mobile because of family obligations, going to sports for my kids, um, things like that, where I am going somewhere. I can just pop on an emulator like on a device and try the games out. Um, so I have been getting more and more into it, especially with devices like uh, like this little Ambernick 351M. Uh, this thing has beautiful controls. It has uh, save states, little shortcuts for the save states. Um, really great little devices. And when I first started getting into device emulation, I started I started out on this little guy, which has a little uh, Pi Zero in it, and uh, it boots. It feels very much like a real Game Boy. The screen is perfect. A lot for mobile gaming over other things. Um, 
And then when Tim got me the PS Vita, it even took it to another level because the screen is so large and beautiful on this thing. It just makes emulations just sing. And then the ultimate thing lately has been the Steam Deck. I originally, when I first got the Steam Deck, I wasn't going to put any emulators on this beast at all. Um, because I, I just have all those other devices that, that I can do emulation on. But when I did my research and I found out how easy it was, it, I wasn't going to do it because I thought it would just get complicated, That which is a big complaint about kind of PC and Mac kind of emulation is when you install emulators, there can be a lot of configuration on them and tinkering with BIOS files and blah, blah, blah. Um, the beautiful thing about something like on the Steam Deck is it was a one file, you install it and boom, all the emulators are there. You drop your game files on there and you're good to go. You do have to do some BIOS files for certain cores and that's fine. Um, but on that Steam Deck with such the big, beautiful screen, it just makes emulation sing and it's a joy to use. And I've been enjoying it the last month, uh, playing a ton of games like Mario Golf, which is a mobile game, uh, uh, Fire Emblem, Path of Radiance. Uh, I've been playing uh, Valkyrie Chronicles, um, Ace Patrol, basically games like that. I played Radiant Silver Gun, which is a beautiful game, runs perfectly on the Steam Deck. So I am coming around more and more to emulators. And one thing I noticed about my habits with emulation is that early on when it was a cartridge-based like like the cartridge-based systems are well covered in emulators, and I was starting to use those more and more on mobile devices when I... But a lot of these devices, like this little RGM, which I, was one of my favorites for a long time, and it still I still use it all the time, it plays those 8- and 16-bit systems super well, all the cartridge-based systems. When it starts to get near the N64 and PS1, it will play them, but not well, not well at all. So... It, it does okay on some games. Most games, it doesn't do that well. But now that we get into something like the Steam Deck, um, I tried. I spent a lot of the couple weeks on testing uh, things like Saturn emulation. Saturn emulation is kind of a gold standard for testing emulators because it was such a difficult system to emulate. It had a dual chip uh, system that just was not very good. So you you very find you very rarely you find a mobile system that has a good Saturn emulator. But this thing, I've been very impressed with it. Uh, like I said, I've been playing Radiant Silver Gun a lot. Works perfectly on this. Um, it's not perfect. I, I was playing Daytona USA, and the, um, the controls were a little off for some reason. Uh, I didn't have time to tinker with it, so I didn't jump in there, but I'm sure it's something I could probably resolve. But the graphics were pretty good. Uh, PS1, PS2, PS3 emulation on this thing works really well. Um, and I just keep diving further and further into things. I, my next one, probably next month, will be Dreamcast emulation, trying that out on here. And it is so easy to install. So I guess w w my recent history with emulation was, yes, when I was mobile, I was doing things. But when we covered games that were disk-based systems, mo moving 32-bit and beyond, I had to use original hardware, which... I was happy to do. I love using original hardware. A lot of my disk-based systems have the GD EMUs, like the SD card solutions, like on the Dreamcast, Saturn, um, the Fenrir on the Saturn, things like that. Um, 
mainly was disk based systems in N64, which is cartridge based, that I would have to have to use original hardware, which meant I had to be home, which meant I got smaller windows to play the games. But now with the Steam Deck, and in particular, I'm using Emu Deck, which literally is a one-file install. Couldn't be easier. Um, there's a lot of better articles than I could do on here that we'll talk about the installation and uh, customizing it for what you want to do. So look that up if you want to. But it, I've, I've just I'm starting to have kind of this renaissance with emulation uh, because of how I play games and stuff like that. Not going. I'm not steering away from my hardware. I've got I built a big collection of hardware, and I will not be moving beyond that. Uh, I, I still will use original hardware, like I said, mainly because of the controllers. And that is kind of a weird thing to say that I tend to use real hardware mainly because of the controllers. Emulation's got to a state where games play very, very well. They might not be perfect, but they play very well. Uh, but those controllers. You would have to read now. There are a lot of like USB versions of controllers. Like there's a USB version of the PS2 controller, USB versions of um, you know uh, everything. N64. I've seen ones for N64, Super Nintendo, regular Nintendo. Uh, you could buy, but then I'd have to rebuy all the all these controllers to plug into a PC and use emulation, and I don't want to do that. So really, I think I personally am keeping. My emulation uh, in the mobile world with mobile devices like the Steam and the PS Vita and and my smaller devices than that. And then one thing I know I didn't cover, of course, was the Mister, which my Mister has been put into a wedge style case so that I can use um, the computer cores a lot. And I find that's what I'm doing more often. I'm playing fewer and fewer console games on my Mister, and playing more and more computer when I want to when I want to boot up a quick game of something like on the Commodore 128 or uh, the C Amstrad CPC or ZX Spectrum, something like that. Instead of hauling out a computer, which I don't have all mine set up all the time, instead of hauling them out, setting them up, you know, a thousand wires, plugging them in. Uh, I will boot up my mister from time to time. But again, if it's for the show, I tend to use the real equipment because I want to, you know, have a more authentic experience. But the mister FPGA is another form of emulation or simulation, whatever you want to call it, whatever people are calling it these days. Um, that is another thing that I've been using more and more uh, as my time gets uh, compressed. So. Is there a time and place, in my opinion, for emulation? Of course. I've been, like I said, I, for some reason, it doesn't sit well with me to play them on a PC. Uh, I don't know. It just doesn't feel very authentic. But with these mobile devices, especially with the Steam Deck, I am coming around. And for future emulation projects, um, I am looking, I just downloaded CoinOps Legends 3 for my Steam Deck. Supposedly, it's a one-file install. You just download it and install it. Takes up quite a bit of space. I think it's 32 gigs or something on the Steam Deck, so I'm going to get an SD card for that. Supposedly, one-file install, and then I will have CoinOps on my Steam Deck, which I think would be a pretty cool thing to add on there. Uh, I, the only other place I have CoinOps right now is on my old original Xbox. Um but that's the state of emulation for me so far and my opinions and, and thoughts on that. 
please email me and let me know what your thoughts on emulation is or go on our Discord if you're a part of our Patreon. Go into Discord. Let's talk about emulation, what what the pros and cons are, whether you prefer it or not. Um, I would love to even have a further discussion on emulation. And I'm sure because I'm not really in emulation, there's a ton I'm missing with it. But so far, I'm really enjoying it. Um, and hey, who knows? Maybe that down the road, as these machines start to break and are harder to find, emulation is only going to get stronger and stronger. I mean, I didn't even talk about like on the Switch, uh, all the baked in emulation for Super Nintendo and Nintendo 64 games and original Nintendo that official Nintendo actually comes out with. I've used those to play games for the show because they do offer rewind and save states and things like that. Brilliant way to play the games. So anyway, please let me know if you have any thoughts on emulation. Uh, This uh, podcast, this audio podcast will come out in video format. I'm trying to do these more often in dual formats uh, so that people have something on the YouTube channel and can watch it, especially if I have systems to show off or whatever. Uh, I did upgrade my camera. Hopefully you noticed that. Um, But anyway, uh, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. And I will see you next time. Thank you. Yogurt. I love shmups, and I grew up with a Sega Genesis, but for some reason I have never really gone back and uh, looked into the shmup catalog of the Sega Genesis. When I was younger, um, my friends and I would play, you know, your Sonics, of course we'd play at my friend's house, Super Nintendo, stuff like that, a lot of NES games as well, Um, but when it came to the Genesis, I would play a lot of Sonic, I'd play... uh, Fighters with my friends, beat 'em up type games, uh, columns. I'm trying to think of stuff that uh, I used to be able to play on my Genesis a lot. Uh, but what it came down to is I've never played a shmup during the Sega Genesis era that was on the Sega Genesis. Um, so I wanted to go ahead and, and uh, look back into the catalog and, and rectify that. When I think 16 bit shmups, my mind instantly goes to the Turbo Graphics, which is a great shmup machine. Um, the Super Nintendo really didn't do shmups. Uh, there was a few on there, but it, for whatever reason, they typically ended up having some bugs and being kind of slow and laggy. Um, but the Genesis really did excel at fast arcade kind of style gameplay. So it should, in theory, be a great shmup machine, and it is. Um, whereas the TurboGrafx shmups have that kind of buttery smooth feel, um, really kind of rounded uh, uh, visuals that, for whatever reason, TurboGrafx has, you know, in sounds does so well. The Genesis shmups seem to have a, a different feel to them. They're very, I want to say, mechanical, with very direct controls. When you press up, down, left, or right, you go there and right. When you let go, it stops. It's just very direct. Um, and some of the things I've noticed in the Genesis, Genesis shmup library um, was, first of all, of course, they have these kind of arcadey, shmup-specific sounding um, metallic soundtracks that use the Genesis's um, synthesizer to make these... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it better than that. But these uh, very specific, unique sound of the Genesis uh, music on shmups which is a good thing. 
not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I'd say there are not a ton of great soundtracks, but there's lots of decent ones I've noticed. Um, and when it comes to uh, the Genesis, most shmups tend to be horizontal, but there are uh, you know plenty of vertical ones as well. I'm not sure exactly why that was so popular during that time, whereas the Turbo Graphics, they're almost all vertical. Um, there was a lot of the kind of arcade port thing where they were doing the vertical screen with the scored information off to the right. And when they did that, there was a lot of these uh, transitions where you'd start a level and a bunch of these grids, these like blocks would fill the screen and then they'd dissolve away, uh, which is unique. <laughs> I've seen that in a lot of these shmups. And um, uh, a lot of the Genesis shmups have P's, like for power-ups, you'd get P for power or S for speed. And uh, another trend I noticed playing some shmups here was that a lot of these games you would get going so fast, your speed of your ship would go so fast that it was almost unavoidable to like not run into things. You'd tap up and you'd jump all the way across the screen and hit something. Um, so for better or worse, that's kind of what I felt. But ultimately, I didn't get down to my point, which is what I'm doing here. Now, I'm, I'm going to break this into two parts because I realize the scope of what I'm doing here is a bit much. Uh, but I'm going to cover every... For the most part, every Sega Genesis shmup on the system, um, shmup being a, a shoot 'em up, um, kind of a you know, plane shooting up or sideways on the screen kind of a thing. Uh, if I haven't, you know, clarified that yet, but um, I'm going to go ahead and cover 25 shmups that I played for this episode uh, right now, and then next month I'm going to go ahead and do 25 more. Uh, these are going to be I'm going to give them a, a quick grade, you know, A, B, C, D, F. Um, and some of them I played more than others. Some of them I I tried to give some due diligence to, but just couldn't. Other ones I couldn't stop myself from playing. So let's go ahead and dig right into them. These are in no particular order, although the ones I've played I am going to list alphabetically, uh, but if I missed one, you'll hear it probably next month. Let's start right off the bat with, um, with a, a, a dog of a game, Action 52. This was a fun, uh, cartridge and the fact that they tried to give you 52 games for the price of one right um and there's four shmups in here called start evil air command g fighter and meteor they are all absolutely terrible um they're all content kind of based off of some really basic archaic kind of space space invaders type clone kind of a thing um the one thing I really enjoyed about this that I have to say it's worth loading up just for this is the Sega Genesis loads up and says, you know, distributed by Sega and gives you legalese, right? Right after that, it boots into the game. And the first thing this game does after that is say, please disregard all previous uh, uh, notifications. <laughs> so basically saying, hey, this is all not true. We didn't, uh, Sega didn't approve of any of this, but we can't change that now. So here you go. Um, Every one of the games in this pack, including the non-shmups, has the exact same level 1, level 2, level 3 screen with the same woman's voice saying level 1. So it's really generic, really bad. This is a definite F. The next game I uh, hopped in here is called Aero Blasters, uh, also called Air Buster in Japan. It is a horizontal um, shmup, again, very Genesis. Uh, This is kind of a quintessential Genesis shmup, I noticed. The music is very much that metallic Genesis um, shmup music, kind of this upbeat but calming uh, shmup music. Uh, You're kind of this airplane thing fighting these large flying robotic things with like a 
cityscape going by in the background. A lot of the enemies have very large guns. It's a very hard game. Uh, something unique about this game is when you kill enemies, you know, there'll be the, the units that have power-ups, and then you kill those. Uh, the power-ups kind of blow up into the air and cascade down in this weird arc. And there's no way to collect them all. There's so many different power-ups. I don't know which ones do what with a bunch of different letters. Probably have to look into that. Um, B is an auto-shoot, or you can tap A or hold it to power up uh, a bomb, which is a nice touch. I like having two different options on how to shoot. Um, this game is not necessarily manic, but you definitely have to learn kind of the patterns of when the enemies are going to come onto screen, how they're going to come onto the screen. Um, and it does have one of the things I don't love, which is on like level two, you start doing the kind of corridor shooter thing, which in and of itself is great. I love the corridor shooter thing, kind of like a Gradius, but it does have the wall deaths where uh, if you get going too fast, it's really hard to avoid the walls. But uh, Aero Blasters is a solid run of the mill. Oh, I shouldn't say run of the mill. Uh, solid, above average, quality Genesis shmup. I'll give it a B. The next game on my list is Aero Flash, which is another uh, horizontal shmup. Uh, I believe Sega put this one together, and it was released by Renovention. Renovation. Um, this is another kind of quintessential uh, Genesis shmup as well. I would say it feels a lot like Aero Blasters. A few, a few differences. Uh, this one's more. The, the art is a little more cartoony, cute, whimsical, if you will. Um, it does do something that I it frustrates me personally. Nothing wrong with the game itself, just for me mentally. You can be a little ship, which is great, and then you can turn into a mech. Now, when you turn into a mech, you become this larger character, and it's easier to get hit, and it just doesn't feel right. I don't know, like a, a mech flying. Uh, the aerodynamics doesn't doesn't work for me, right? You're flying hard into the wind, but it doesn't cut through. I don't know. Um, aside from that, though, um, the game has kind of simple backgrounds, but what I did notice that the first level you're above the clouds and there are like seven layers of clouds that are moving at different speeds. So is that seven layers of parallax, which I guess is impressive. Um, but they look, they're still very simple backgrounds. There are some cool set pieces like, uh, bases and stuff crashing into the background. Uh, it's kind of a story driven game. Um, <clears throat> if you're into that, um, it is, a uh, a pretty difficult game, uh, and you do start when you start out. You're a little slow compared to your enemies, which makes it kind of hard. I notice this game is one of those games where when you die and you lose all your power-ups and stuff, it's hard to get going again, which is kind of that Gradius thing. Um, all in all, a solid game. Um, I just I didn't have that must-play-again factor for me, so instead of a B, I'm going to give it a C. Moving on now, we are going to pop in Atomic Robo Kid, a game from Trico Treco. Uh, which is an interesting game. It's not a traditional uh, auto-scrolling shmup. It is a shmup. It almost looks like a platformer, if you will. And you're this character. It's a, I guess, a little robot kid. Um, it, it, you up, down, left, and right make you move through the air. And when you stop, you kind of stay there. Um, but when you're on the ground, it, you walk along the ground, which is more visual than really. It doesn't really impact the gameplay. It's more just of a, a visual thing. But. Um, this is this game is interesting. It's almost like a platform shmup hybrid version of a, like an R type, where there's tight these tight corridors and enemies all over the place, um, and you have to kind of figure out how you're going to shoot the enemies without getting hit yourself. It's very kind of slow paced and tactical on how you're going to do it. Um, 
I could see I could see getting into a game like this, um, but it is going to be difficult to get into. It's going to take a lot of memorization and um, trial and error. Uh, has a very very cool chunky look. I love. Uh, I guess it's based on a Japanese uh, cartoon of the same name. Um, there's selectable shots. Once you get those power ups, you can select what shot you want to use. Music's kind of meh. Uh, I had high hopes for this game. It is interesting. It's unique. Definitely worth a try, but I can't give it more than a C right now. Now, Battle Squadron is a game released on one of those bigger carts with the little random yellow tab from EA, uh, which I now know looking back, EA ported over a lot of Amiga games to the Genesis. I did not know that as a kid, and it's funny to say this now, but whenever I saw those EA cartridges, to me it just meant this is going to be a bad game. Um... (laughs) <laughs> and in hindsight, uh, it's it's the Amiga uh, mentality of how to create a game, right? But uh, nonetheless, Battle Squadron is not a bad game. Uh, Battle Squadron is a game... I, I, I'm going to get a lot of flack for saying this. Battle Squadron is a great game that is a high point on the Amiga, but just average when it comes to comparing it to other Genesis games. So, yes, that is kind of a dig on the Amiga, but it is what it is. Uh, lots of cutscenes... Um, story-driven game it is a vertical scrolling game which is a little different than than the rest we've talked about uh because of its roots i believe the graphics do not look like that cartoony uh, japanese look like a lot of the other games the typical genesis a shmup would it feels a little slower than other games on the genesis it doesn't have that genesis feel um you have to hit enemies a lot. It's not like one-and-done shot kind of a thing. It's that mentality where you have to power up your ship to hit them less to kill them. But to start off, you're going to be shooting enemies a lot to try to kill them before running off to kill another enemy, um, which can be a hit-and-miss kind of a thing, depending on your opinion of that. Uh, one reason this is better than the Amiga version of the game is that your controller has more than one button. Therefore, you don't have to hit the space bar to do a bomb or do the weird... Um, rotating joystick thing where you rotate it in a circle to initiate the bomb you just press b to use the bomb uh but the game has very big sprites with uh your your ship has no hitbox so a lot of shmups you'll hear me talk about this later but they'll have an area within the ship usually like the cockpit of the ship and that's where you can get hit by bullets in this game if a bullet touches any part of your sprite you're dead um what i do like about the game is that you pretty quickly, if you can get through the first half of the first level, you can gain a power-up which allows you to shoot forward and backward at the same time. And the way the enemies come at you, they kind of curl around underneath you. So they actually use that to great effect so that the level design is based around that. The problem is when you get to that point in the level and you have not received that power-up, it's very frustrating. Um, You can get overwhelmed by enemies very quick. Uh, In this game, to end the level, uh, you'll actually see uh, entrance points. Like in the first level, there's a cave, and it says enter here. You go up there and press the button to go in it. I believe if you don't do that, you miss it, and you have to come back around to it. Uh, But it's an interesting uh, tidbit for this game. Ultimately, it's a pretty quality game. Um, Definitely worth worth playing. Uh, Again, just some of the frustrations uh, limits it from being a B game to me. And it's a C here. And probably C minus on the Amiga. I'm not really doing minuses or, or Amiga games right now, but that's where we fall on that one. Uh, moving along, Biohazard Battle. Uh, this is created by a company called Crying, which is unique. Uh, this is another horizontal shmup uh, auto scrolling. And uh, similarly, actually, this has a very Amiga looking um, 
look and feel to it. It's got kind of these pre-rendered CG ships. Uh, and you get to choose one of four ships. They're very cool looking. They look almost like um, prehistoric fish. If you remember all those crazy fish you see in the history books and things, you know, that we found fossils of. And it probably looked like this, right? Um, very cool uh, atmosphere and, and vibe to the character design. Uh, gameplay gameplay is pretty average. Uh, music is interesting, although it, it kind of sounds, I call it a techno-tribal. Um, now, another thing I'll mention a lot in these games is a lot of these games will have characters with options. Now, I say option because that's a Gradius term, but basically a little floating orb or, or multiple that floats near your primary character that shoots for you as well. So when I continue talking, I'll be talking about options. Um, it's... It's, it's interesting because when you collect power-ups in this game, you collect power-ups or, or changes in your weapon for your primary ship and then for your option, and they can be different. Um, you can hold B to charge. Um, I, I kind of said un, uninspired gameplay. The, the enemies just kind of come in whenever, whatever. There doesn't seem to be very interesting patterns or anything particularly standout-ish about the gameplay itself. Um, <clears throat> and... Uh, yeah, the differences between the four ships that you originally select, I can't really tell a difference. Um, it doesn't explain which one does what better. So I, maybe the manual says something about it, but I couldn't really tell a difference between the ships outside of the way they look. Um, this is a very ho-hum, average, middle-of-the-road game. It's definitely not bad. It's playable. It's fun-ish. And it gets a C as well. Uh, moving on... This is a game I never would have known as a shmup by the name, but Dangerous Seed, which is a game by Namco, which Namco makes really good stuff. I have to say this is kind of one of the games that I was surprised by, was not expecting much, and I really enjoyed this game. In fact, I wrote down a, a, a rating and then raised it later after playing it for a little while. This game is vertical, and it has that arcade off to the side uh, thing I talked about earlier. Um... I call this game a ride-in in space. If you've played the ride-in games, which I'll play ride-in trad on the next episode here, uh, it's very much that, that ride-in uh, vertical scrolling, lots of like ground bases that shoot at you kind of a thing. Um, the visual and gameplay aspect are very ride-in-esque, but with a space theme rather than you know a, uh, a kind of, well, I guess ride-in is space too, but war theme. Uh, enemies do take lots of hits on this. Uh, there's some smaller, simpler graphics. This game almost doesn't look 16-bit. It almost looks 8-bit, eight, 8.5-bit. Eight eight <laughs> um, it's, it, it's not a looker. However, uh, it makes up for it absolutely in the gameplay. Um, there are some power-ups that get bigger and bigger, although there is one in particular where you go to this laser that can shoot through enemies and hit multiple enemies behind it. But it gets so skinny, it's hard to hit some enemies. So that one's kind of a bummer. Uh, but you kind of got to get through it to get to the bigger fire power. By the end of the of you leveling up, there's so much fire power going on the screen at once that you just feel like super powerful and and it's very um, satisfying. Um, enemies can fire off the screen sometimes, which makes that um, it's a negative, but it's not a big deal once you get used to it. But an enemy can literally go behind you and then it's off your screen, but it's still on the gameplay screen. So all of a sudden, bullets shoot up from behind you or off the side of the screen. It's, keeping it, it's something to keep in, in mind. Uh, bosses, when you're very powered up, can take very few hits, which is actually kind of cool. Uh, if you're not powered up, they're still very beatable, but when you're really powered up, you can knock them out with a bomb and, and uh, five seconds of shooting, uh, which makes it feel super fun. 
Um, and in this game, you can also get too fast, basically. Very good music as well, by the way. Dangerous Seed, quality game. When I first saw it, I gave it a C, but it's just so playable and so fun. I'll be going back to this one. I'm going to give it a B. Um, if I play this enough, I might make its way up to an A, honestly, an A minus, something like that. But a B for Dangerous Seed from Namco. The next game on the list I've actually tried multiple times. For whatever reason, the, the concept of the game and the name of the game just kind of is interesting to me, to me so I keep trying it. Um, it's a game by Sega, uh, by Data East and published by Sega. It's called Darwin 4081. Uh, and it's a, sh- a vertical scrolling shmup where it's, and it's based off of a novel idea, which is kind of obviously all of Charles Darwin's theories, right? Um, of evolution and all these things. So your, your huge ship, which looks like a, a, a squid to me, it looks kind of like a squid-like, but it takes up a very large chunk of screen. Very hard to dodge things when you're that big. Um, it's, the ship patterns, they could, I feel like this game is, they try to do, take everything you know about shooters, and they're like, let's change everything a little bit so none of it feels normal or it feels the same. So we make something completely original. And they did, but everything doesn't work. Um, the ship patterns they have, uh, the, the way the enemies come in, is kind of weird and unusual, but not necessarily in a good way. Your, your different weapon types you get are odd. Um, they do weird things like the bullets will go up in the middle of the screen, stop, and then continue on again. I'm not sure how that could possibly be useful. There's one, in fact, where you level, uh, you, you get this um, this weapon that shoots these bubbles, and they shoot out like two inches in front of you and then just stop. And it, at that point, you can't shoot anything. I, it's the weirdest thing. I don't quite get it. Uh, it is interesting in that you can grab DNA for power-ups. These power-ups do time out. So, like, those bubbles you might have for 20, 30 seconds, then they'll just go away. Um, The music's okay. The backgrounds are pretty bad-looking. The game can be glitchy at certain points. And it's got that um, Xevious thing where your ship can shoot, but you also have a... a, Your B button will drop a bomb down to the the ground level. It is a vertical shmup, but it'll drop kind of into the background. Um, Interesting thing is the only thing you can shoot in the background that I really noticed is these crocodiles which are crawling on the ground. And when you shoot the crocodiles, they leave behind DNA. And that's when you collect the DNA to get, uh, I guess, uh, evolutions to your ship. It's an interesting thing in theory. Uh, I originally had this as a D, but the game is just so broken gameplay-wise, I lowered it to an F. It's a novelty. It is not a good game. This next one is um, unique in a different way. Uh, It's a game called Divine Ceiling. It is a vertical scrolling shmup, and uh, it had a little surprise up my sleeve, which I was not prepared for. Um, I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, This game, you only have a single shot, which is kind of frustrating. It's not quite as uh, engrossing as some of the other ones we've been talking about here. Enemies are super basic. Uh, Their patterns are super basic, uninspired. You can hold one button uh, to do multiple shots to kill enemies. Um... Music is slow, uh, not as bad as others, but um, the and the back ooh the backgrounds the backgrounds are really bad. To, to in some point, there's so much going on and movement going on in the backgrounds, so it's just these crazy simple patterns. But they're almost like seizure inducing. They're weirding me out. Um, and then when you shoot enemies, there's only two two sounds. There's this little tink 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 tink, 
And then when the enemies blow up, it's kind of, just, kind of like fart noise. So the noises were terrible. Um, <laughs> and then when you beat the level, this is the part I have to get to. I'll just put it this way. When you beat the level, for no reason whatsoever, there's a cutscene. Um, I don't know Japanese, a bunch of Japanese. You have to read a whole bunch, or you hit the button a whole bunch of times to get through the reading, and then you are uh, presented with cutscenes of cartoon women. Um, you know where I'm going with this. It's, it's an adult game, apparently. Um, nothing told me it was going to be that until I got to the end of the level. Uh, I played a couple levels, and yes, it seems at the end of every level that happens. So, uh, The game itself... Uh, you know, I, I wrote down uh, D on here. Uh, it's the the gameplay is somewhat playable. Um, you know, if you're if you're cool with the storytelling part of it, but uh, it could be an F, it could be a D. I don't know, somewhere in there. All right, this next game we've talked about on the show, so I'll do it quick. It is a game called Elemental Master. It is by Technosoft um, and published by Renovation, or vice versa. I don't know how that works. This game gets an A. I've talked about it on the show. This is one of my favorite Genesis games, period. It is a vertical scrolling shmup um, where you are a character literally running on the ground, casting out magic. The cool thing about it is uh, one of the buttons will shoot in front of you while the other button will allow you to turn around real quick and shoot behind you. So you're constantly kind of in the middle of the screen shooting up and down and switching between different powers that you get. Uh, the powers you get are based off of which levels you beat, and when you start the game, you can choose which of five levels you want to start with. Uh, said a lot about it. Absolutely love this game. This, to me, is a must-play. Kind of un... un uh, it doesn't get as much love as it should. Elemental Master on the Sega Genesis gets an A for me. This next game is Eliminate Down by Soft Vision. It is another horror sh- horizontal uh, shmup. And this game seems to be kind of a love letter to a few different um, legendary shmups. Uh, very right up, up front, it has a very, um, I said, a Darius but chunkier vibe. Uh, very cool uh, foreground effects and background effects uh, kind of a little later on in the game. It starts off pretty hard right off the bat. It is not an easy game. Um, you have selectable weapons, but you can shoot... Uh, behind you uh, with some of the weapons and the, and the gameplay is kind of built that way uh, which kind of leads to almost a, uh, an R-Type vibe when it comes to those parts. In fact, later on in the game you come to a big mega ship just like R-Type and uh, where you're trying to find out how to get your weapons to shoot above you, below you, behind you. Um, great, great gameplay. I absolutely love it. Uh, there's some interesting parts in some of the level transitions where you're shooting diagonal. Uh, at first you have these Rockets that are coming at you diagonally, and then asteroids later on. Um, just very cool set pieces. The music is a little uh, spotty here and there. The The first level is just rocking, like this kind of metal techno thing. And then the next level, the music's pretty bad. It's kind of weird and tinny. It kind of goes back and forth, but um, there's a lot going on here. The screen is just filled with sprites. You have lots of firepower going all over the place. It's visceral. It's satisfying. Um, and it's not quite an A, but it's a solid Genesis shmup, and I give this one a B. Up next on the list is a game with a really cool name, uh, but not a really cool game. It is called Fire Mustang, um, which I'm very surprised about this. This game was produced by Taito, and they make great arcade games. This, I've, I'm guessing this was an arcade game that was ported. I don't know. 
Uh, it's a horizontal horizontal scrolling shmup. If you like the Commodore 64, this looks to me, <laughs> I hate to say it, it looks like a Commodore 64 game. Um, for the Genesis, it is not a good-looking game. It's even got the Commodore 64, like, browns, all the earth tones. Um, the sound and music, it's, eh, I'll say below average. I won't say it's terrible. It's below average. Uh, it, what's funny about this game is everything scrolls, uh, including the ground and ground units. Now, the ground is scrolling by pretty fast, but the ground units that are literally on the ground and supposed to be affixed to the ground move at a different speed. So somehow they're like sliding along the ground. It's bizarre. Um, units don't keep up. Um, there's repetitive enemies just over and over and over again. It's just kind of the uninspired patterns. It's it's a Mustang, so it's the old uh, kind of World War II planes. So this is kind of like the, a dogfighting type of World War II theme. Um, but thing, you know, there's things that happen like Things will go behind you and come back with no way for you to shoot at them. I don't care for that. Uh, when you shoot bosses and enemies with multiple hits, there's nothing to indicate they've been hit. There's no flash. There's no uh, noise. Um, and then when you shoot, it's got... Uh, it almost feels... and that, that, It harkens back to a previous age of video games because it actually feels a lot like... Um, uh, oh, shoot. What's the game? The Scramble. Where when you shoot, you're shooting bombs as well as you're shot at the same time. Um, there's little bombs that will drop down to the ground, and you're shooting straight forward for, to shoot planes and things like that. It's very old school, it, it, even for the Genesis era. I'm not a fan of it. I did not enjoy it. I put you know I put D on here. It that might be a little bit too nice. It's somewhere between a D and an F. Uh, not not stoked about this game. Now, don't get that confused with the next game, which is slightly better, <laughs> which is Fire Shark, a uh, game by DreamWorks. This one is a vertical uh, World, World War II-style shooter. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of, I described it as 1942 meets Raiden. Uh, it's definitely got that Raiden uh, look. To, there's you know tanks on the ground and paths, and when you scroll left and right, the background, you kind of move with the background a little bit, so the gameplay, the play field is a little wider than your screen. Um, it's a very arcade-looking game, and it's got that the arcade score and everything, again, on, on your right. Uh, definitely has that block transition that a lot of arcade games and Genesis games had at the time. Um, there's tanks, biplanes, zeppelins will fly down here. I don't know too many games where you get to shoot at zeppelins. Um, the music's a bit grating. Um, definitely got the good metallic Genesis sound effects. Nice, chunky sprites. It looks good. Uh, it's, it's very simple. It's a simple game. It's still fun. Um, the, the fact that you're, you fire very slowly kind of brings it down. You can't like, you can't hit as many enemies that, that come at you. And I would say that the kind of viewpoint, you're a little too close to your ship in the action where it's kind of too hard to react to a lot of the bullets. I wish they would zoom out a little bit, if that makes sense. Um, I was playing with a C on this one. I think I'll give it a D. Somewhere in that C to D range, but I'm leaning, I'm leaning a little more D on this one. This next game is another game that I, for some reason, booted up a lot, hoping this game would be good. Um, it is another port by Sega and Capcom, a little collab between the two of them. Uh, it is a horizontal shooter, and it is called Forgotten Worlds. Um, Forgotten Worlds is a game where you... <laughs> It's just this like super machismo. These two bros who have big guns and they're 
um, there, I guess in this fantasy world with like dinosaurs and stuff, shooting things. Uh, to be honest with you, I haven't been able to get too far into the story or the lore of this game because the control method on this game is so terrible, I cannot play it and I hate it so much. Um, in the arcade, I believe they had a, a specific controller that allowed you to almost play this game like a twin-stick shooter. But we have a, a Sega Genesis pad here, so the way it works is your B button in the middle fires. If you press A, it'll rotate the, I'm going to call it the option, or your gun around you. And when you press B again, uh, it fires in that direction. So you kind of have to always be backing away from enemies to shoot at It's It's weird shoot at them if you press c your your option your gun rotates the other direction so you're constantly trying to figure out which way you want to rotate your gun to shoot um if you hold b down and then press a and c then the gun rotates with you while you're shooting anyways it it never becomes uh, second nature and it makes it playing it very very difficult um i want to give this one a d because the game is probably better than the control method but ultimately this game is an f Gadget Twins is a very interesting game. Uh, this game was released by Game Tech, and um, it's not a good game, but it had something going for it. It's a very, very cartoony game where there's a little, like, submarine, and what's interesting about it is, uh, again, the control method was novel, but kind of ruined the game. You're a submarine, and you start with these little, uh, you know, like, punching bags on a, a accordion mechanism where you punch out in front of you, or if you press a button, it'll point an arrow down. Now you're going to punch below you, or you can punch behind you, or you can punch above you, which would be great if you had like a Super Nintendo pad with four attack buttons. You just punch up, down, left, or right. In this game, you have to keep alternating to where you want to punch and then press the button. Um, it's kind of got that fantasy zone thing where you punch things and you collect a bunch of coins and you hop into a shop and you can upgrade uh, your weapons, but you upgrade each direction separately. So you might turn your front one into a bigger punching bag that requires less punches um but ultimately you have to get really close to enemies to shoot them to actually hit them to punch them the music is extremely loud um upsettingly loud if if that's a thing for a weird cartoony gate it could have been great um it's very bright very colorful but ultimately the gameplay did not work just like forgotten worlds which we just talked about this game gets an f from me now I'm going to move on to another, um, I'd say, very Genesis-centric game, and I'm going to say it wrong. It's called Gears or Gyres or Gyres. Everyone's seen this one. It's just bright orange box. I actually used to own a copy of it. Um, loved having it, but the value of it was way more than it was worth for me to keep. So I moved it on. Anyways, created by Telnet, I believe published by Renovation, which they made some great games back then. Uh, I'm getting huge Gradius vibes from this game. This game is a very much a like a 16-bit modern Gradius game. Um, of course, Konami didn't release a Gradius game for the Genesis, so this is what we get, in my opinion. Uh, catchy music. Not wonderful music, but the, the tunes are very catchy. It's a very fast, very twitchy ship that you're driving around, so uh, very much that Genesis feel. Um, it's a little less precise than Gradius. It kind of has a lot of the same tropes going through corridors, a lot of the similar enemy patterns and things like that. Uh, it is a hard game in that, uh, again, it's, it's, it's twitchy, so you're going to run into walls and things like that. Um, 
it's it's also got that gradius thing which i do kind of it tracks from the fun for me which is when you die you know, the level stops and you go back to the previous checkpoint and try again um you can't die forward if you will you don't die and then your ship reappears a few seconds later and you keep on scrolling right uh, which makes the game very difficult, which is probably its biggest downfall is just how difficult it is. So, solid game. Uh, I'd consider a must-play on the Genesis. I'm going to give this one a B. This next game is not really a shmup. It's called Gain Ground, released again by the team of Telenet and Renovation. It is a hor- uh, I'm not, not a horizontal. It is a, a vertical game. I don't even think it's a shmup. I don't really want to call it a shmup. I should, probably shouldn't even have it on this list, but everyone else has it here. It's a weird game where you get to be um, three characters um, at the same kind of time. You can alternate between them. There's these enemies coming down the battlefield. It's kind of tactical, but you're literally just walking around. It feels more like Commando than anything, but these single levels where you're trying to kill as many of the enemies as you can without getting killed yourself and then get to the exit point to move on to the next level. Uh, if you die, you don't lose a life. You lose one of the players you have, and now you're down to two players. And you just kind of go through that. Each player has different attacks. There's kind of a, uh, a special throw of a spear or an axe or a grenade or something. And then your standard throw. Um, not really a shmup, so I don't want to talk too much about it. Interesting game. I don't, I don't know any other game kind of quite like it. Um, I want to love it. haven't played enough of it to really get into it. I kind of died pretty quick. Uh, I'm going to give this one a C. An average of a C. Now, this is my gem that I found... And I've never played it. I've heard of the game. Um, it's called Glaylancer. And I don't know if that's a Japanese... Um, it was supposed to be Greylancer, but they said Glaylancer and it got translated that way. I don't know. But it's G-L-E-Y Lancer. Glaylancer. Uh, created by NCS. It's a horizontal, very genesis shmup. Um, I'll just tell you right now, I give this one an A. This is a must-play. Awesome, awesome game where you have control over your option uh you can lock it behind you you can lock it in different directions you have lots of different ways to use it um you can have it shoot up you can move it around you you can lock it into place and like i want to lock it in about 30 degrees down into the left you can lock it there and attack characters that way um and and the, the whole game just runs off of this um so you have very creative enemy patterns that take advantage of of that method um it can be a little hard to see some of the bullets. That would be the one knock against it. Solid, solid music. I love it. Excellent. Uh, some cool speech in this one as well. You don't hear a whole lot of speech uh, in these games, but this one does. Your, your ship is very interesting looking. Um, it just has the right feel, gameplay mechanics. I'm going to be coming back this one and dig into it. I want to play this thing big time and, and get far, far into it. Glaylancer on the Genesis gets an A from me. Uh, this next game uh, is actually, apparently, I think it's just called Granada. But if you look at the cover or look at some of the way people write it, it could be called X Granada X or Cross Granada Cross or just Granada Granada Cross or X. I don't know. There's X's all over the box art. Uh, made by Wolf Team and released by Revenge, or Renovation again. Another great renovation title, right? Uh, this is an interesting, interesting game. I, I, I very much... Once I figured it out, I very much enjoyed this game. It's a, it's actually kind of a top-down tank game more than it is a shmup. It is not auto-scrolling. Um, <clears throat> with really unique situations. 
lots of potential. Um, at first, I thought you had to press forward and sh- to shoot in that direction, which made the game really hard and, and frustrating. But then I learned that if you hold B down, your your shot will fire in that direction while you now can move in any direction you want. So it's a true tank game in that respect. Very cool. You're trying to shoot these enemies. A little map down in the corner uh, showing you where um, all the major guns or major points that you have to hit are to clear the screen. And like on the first level, once you do, this massive alien ship comes down and starts attacking. You have to shoot that thing. The next level is super cool. It's, you're on top of this gigantic spaceship and uh, on top of it, driving around, shooting all the enemies and guns and turrets off the spaceship. Um, it's a really cool, unique game. And I think this is a game I'm definitely going to be going back to. I gave it a C. Originally, I gave it a D for the control mechanism. Uh, I, I ended up raising it to a C, but I think it's going to be a high C. Uh, if it's not a B, it's pretty close. So that's where I land on this unique tank game, Granada. Now, this next game I owned as well. It is a game called Grindstormer from Tengen. And if you'll remember, Tengen is actually Atari when they released games for the Genesis. Um, and the problem with their cartridges is they built them very cheaply. So they very few of them work anymore. Uh, my cartridge, in fact, did not work. And I actually had to go in there and I found some corrosion on the board. And I had to clean it with uh, some apple cider vinegar. And then I had to create little uh, bodge wires to bypass some of the uh, traces that were completely gone. Um, Anyways, Grindstormer, in my opinion, is the closest thing to a manic shmup that you're going to find on the Genesis. I'm getting, like, pre-Dodon Patchy, uh, not Dodon Patchy, but pre-Don Patchy vibes with this game. Uh, decent music, good good solid music, very fast. It's a very fast game, uh, very detailed sprites. The colors are a bit pastel, which is interesting, um, and the sounds are, are very, very much that Genesis metallic clang sound. Uh, there's some artifacting. There's a little bit of disappearing and slowdown in this game. But the fact that this game has so many, I'm going to call them popcorn enemies, right? One-hit enemies. Uh, bullets flying everywhere. You're dodging tons of stuff. But at the same time, you have so much firepower. You're destroying a ton of stuff. It's a very visceral, again, satisfying game. I really like Grindstormer. For me, it's a, it's a B all day long. Uh, moving on, a, a heavy unit is the next game on my list by a company called Kaneko. That's with K, K's, K-A-N-E-K-O. Um, and heavy unit is kind of a weird mech versus fantasy creatures game. And again, if you know me, I don't care for mech games. So I'm already kind of, this game is at a disadvantage when I come to rating it, but, uh, I don't like mechs. Um, the difficulty on this game is kind of all over the place. There, there is solid music. There's some, um... Some great sprites, which is definitely a plus. If I didn't mention it yet, this is a horizontal scrolling uh, shooter. Again, you can, you're can a mech, but you can also turn into a plane. I prefer being the plane. Um, the, it looks like a great game, and even in some of the gameplay, you'd be like, why would this not be an amazing game? Um, and it's weird. I can't explain it. It's just some of the decisions they made for how big enemies are, the pacing of the game, some of the set pieces they put in place don't make a whole lot of sense. Um, all of a sudden, it'll be like a big ball enemy in the middle for no reason. You have to shoot it a ton of times before it hits you, and you just can't shoot like you're breaking your thumb trying to hit it a bunch. Um, there's uh, bosses where you can't tell what to do. I had to go on YouTube to figure out what to go and that's what to do, and that's because... Certain, thing, uh, certain things just don't make sense. You're, you're going you're gonna to have to like 
fail and die a whole bunch of times, try bizarre things until you figure out, oh, that's how you kill this thing. That doesn't make sense. Nothing flashed when I shot it. Nothing. There's no indication that I'm supposed to do anything. Um, so, ultimately, this game, I wanted to give it a C, but I, it's just it wasn't fun. Uh, I'm going to end up giving this one a D. Um, this next game is a game called Hellfire by Toplin and NCS. Um, the music on this game is okay, and the rest is absolutely great. This is another horizontal shooter, and uh, right off the get-go, you're given four different shot types. You can shoot in front of you. You can press a button that'll switch it to the next type, which is to shoot behind you. The next one will uh, shoot directly uh, up and below you. And then the last one will shoot in an X pattern going all four diagonals from your ship. This is where the gameplay comes in, and this is what makes it absolutely great. Um, of course, you've got speed in, and power-up uh, pills that you can use to enhance things and make those shots more powerful. Uh, but ultimately, you have those same four shots at any given time. And that is important because all of the gameplay in this is based around you trying to figure out which shot you want to use for the next upcoming item. Um, whether it's an enemy pattern that comes from behind you or all of a sudden you go into a tunnel and there's caves above and below you. So do you go with your up and down shot or do you want to go with the X shot to give you a little more room behind you, in front of you to shoot them? But if you do that and you know there's some enemies coming from the back, maybe you want to go to the other shot, you're constantly thinking, playing and thinking on your feet. And, and uh, as you play more and more, you'll know ahead of time what to, to load up. Uh, but the game is just brilliant based on that. Um, there's no auto fire, which is was just a negative, and you do have the tunnel edge deaths like I was talking about, where you can touch the tunnels and that kills you, which always frustrates me. Um, but the bosses are made to again, everything's based around that that four shot type uh, mechanism, and one boss in particular is super cool. It's this cube with a ball in the center, but there's um, four different paths into this cube to hit the ball in the center. And uh, so one's at a diagonal, so you kind of have to use that one. One is straight up, so you have to use that shot. One is from the back, one is from the front. So you can shoot it by switching uh, to all different types. But when you shoot the ball, it bounces around within the center of the cube, meaning the next time you shoot it, you have to figure out where it's going to be in that cube so you can get to the right area to shoot into it and hit the ball still. So, you know, if you shoot it from the front, all of a sudden now it's fallen down to the bottom, so now you have to go to the bottom and shoot up. Now it's kind of up into the corners now you got to use your diagonal shot it's really cool um hellfire is another one of the gems i think this and glay lancer are the two that i really fell in love with this particular uh time in sector x is a game we've covered on the show before so i'll go pretty quick it's created by sages creation and released by taito it is a horizontal shooter in which you are a robotic bug flying moth flip man and um it's kind of a puzzle shooter uh it gives me very if you're an amiga fan gives me very apidia vibes but i prefer this in fact we played it against apidia and for me this one won out uh very cool themes uh again very nature inspired there's uh lots of bugs you're shooting um there's archer fish there's these animals that you don't typically hear in normal conversations so it's cool that they put these uh these particular creatures in games worms things like that um it's a the game is a bit clunky uh there are no wall deaths in this game so that's got that going for it i love that so i can press up and not worry that i'm going to die because i touch the wall i'm going to just stop right against it and be able to attack from there 
Um, the music is lame. It's not grating, but it's, it's kind of lame. Uh, there's some cheap deaths in this game. You go back to the checkpoint, and there will be certain pinch points where you just will have a hard time getting through. That's the biggest drawback to this game. Um, I'm going to give it a solid C. I said I was going to do 25 games on this episode, but I just made a quick decision. I'm only going to cover 24 because one of the games I did try is one of the Thunder Force games. There are three altogether on the Genesis, so I will cover all three next time. Uh, So the last game I want to cover that I did play is a game called Truxton. This is one of the most popular uh, loved Genesis shmups, and uh, and with good reason. It is a vertical shooter, and um, the, the... the music is a bit tinny, which is actually interesting for a game that's as popular as this is. The music sounds, the music itself is good. It sounds kind of bad. Um, but what makes this game so good? It's another arcade shooter, uh, very fast paced, nice, um, chunky sprites. Again, uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of popcorn enemies. So kind of similar to Grindstormer in that way. Uh, there's things blowing up all over the place. You feel powerful. It's visceral. It's exciting. It's loud. It feels good. It's fun. It is not devoid of challenge, but it's not overly challenging. You should be able to get a few levels in uh, without too much difficulty. Um, the, you know, it, it also gives you the option of uh, using the A button to shoot once, you know, and tap it a whole bunch of times, or you can hold down C for an auto uh, fire, which is a good auto fire. It shoots a lot and it is worth using. Very cool. And of course, the B button will give you this large, iconic skull bomb that covers the screen. Um, it's a very Genesis game. This one fits right into that mold of Genesis games, albeit a vertical one. Um, the bullet patterns and enemies and systems, everything is very clever in this game. There's no, uh, there's no over-the-top uh, mechanism that's unique to this game or um, aha moment you'll have with this game. It's just a good, downright arcade shooter that you will love. So that's it for my first half of the Genesis Shmup um, segment I'm going to be doing here on Pixel Guide. And next month I will finish the games with uh, part two of the series. I know this one went a bit long, but I was really having a lot of fun with this. Got to play a lot of great games and a couple of stinkers. Um, So please go ahead and reach out to the show. Let me know if I got anything wrong or if there's anything I need to uh, correct myself on or retry. Um, And I would love to finish this next time and maybe I'll make a top five. So we'll go ahead and do that next time. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you next month. And Eric and I are back here. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to all 24 of those shmup reviews. Um, and we're going to play our favorite game, Drink the Beer. Drink the Beer. Once again, Eric and I did not get together for this recording, so we have different beers in theory. Yes, Unless I'm sure we do. Get, did you get a bottle by chance? Anything in a bottle? Nope, nothing in a bottle. All well, cans. Then, then we won't share this one together, but... Uh, my first beer, Eric, is a uh, Sierra Nevada Narwhal. Oh, I do. I oh man, I <laughs> you almost got it. <laughs> I almost got it. I'm serious. Yep. I, I've had it before though, so I tried to pick something I didn't, I didn't have before. But yeah. that, I saw that one, thinking, oh, but that's an Imperial Stout, right? It's an Imperial Stout. That is yeah. true. And it has a very cool picture of a narwhal on the bottle. And it is dark, and the label is black, and the beer is black, and the narwhal, for some reason, on this is black, even though I don't think they're actually black in real life. Um, but yeah, it is from a local Chico brewery, re- relatively local. Um, I'm excited to try it. I've actually not had this one. Awesome. 
I went with one from Winters, California, which is north of here, yeah. uh, from Berryessa Brewing, which we've had before on the show. Um, and this ma- the reason I grabbed this is that one of my neighbors rescued a bunch of kittens. And, uh, and the beer so called I Kitten saw Rescue? Rescue. What'd you say? <laughs> is the beer called Kitten Rescue? It's called Free Kittens. <laughs> I love it. Yes. This is free kittens. It's a logger, which I'm out of loggers now. I mean, I'm not out of them, but I mean, I, I wasn't wouldn't have been my first choice, but I I couldn't resist the the synergy between the two stories. So that's great. Uh, and so, I also love that it's not called rescue kitten. It's called free kittens, which is the truth. You got free kittens. <laughs> our neighbor, not our direct neighbor, but one that lives around the circle. She's trying desperately. She's keeping two of the five and trying to find homes for the other three. Well, maybe we need more barn cats. Yeah, hey, not a bad idea. There you go. Eric, cheers, my friend. Cheers. Oh. Mm, that is an, that is a strong beer. Woo. Yeah, I can imagine. Man. Yeah. I, I'm gonna read the description on mine because I want yeah, you to please do. Please do. An easy drinking lager brewed with 25% puffed jasmine rice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and um, and lager to perfection goes down so easy it will be gone before you know it. It's a, And it is a rice lager. So I find that interesting. 5% by volume. So it's not heavy alcohol, though. Yours is probably, what, seven and a half, eight? You know, I didn't even look at that. I just went for it like a man. Ooh, yeah. 10, 10.2, Eric. Woo! That was a 10.2, and that makes yeah. more sense, man. When I took a sip of this, I wasn't quite expecting the um, punch in the mouth that I got here, but yeah, yeah it describes it as um, midnight black with that, that's bold with notes of baker's cocoa and dark roasted coffee. And I'd say that kind of hits it on the head. It actually sounds really good, but those high alcohol ones tend to blemish the flavor to me sometimes. Yeah, it's like I want to I wanna enjoy it. But you can almost taste the alcohol itself. That's my wife and I talk about that all the time. Like when we go for Imperial Stouts or Porters, it's like it's almost like it's a great beer where someone took like a, a shot glass of something alcohol and just dropped it in. Yeah. Like it 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 just it kind of spoils it a little bit. Yeah. Man, it's kind of a bummer because I'd say that's exactly you described the beer right there. Um, yeah. Oof. Anyways, uh, we're almost to December, Eric. So yeah. out of twelve months, I'm yeah. gonna rate. I'm gonna rate this beer. Hmm. Can't decide if I want to give it in August or September. <laughs> yeah, I think. Right, I, I think. Gonna, we're, we're I think go I'm gonna way, go. Huh? I'm gonna go with an August. I'm gonna go with an August. I am actually gonna give mine a July. July. A July, not, yeah, it, it not good, huh? There's not a lot of flavor to it. No, it's not bad, but okay. there is not a lot of flavor to it at all. And usually, I'm the one like you say that about beers, and then I'm like, "Well, that's not supposed to be." But this one really doesn't. It tastes almost. No. It tastes very water. <laughs> okay, well, that, we're only that one month away from coming through. Yeah, and then maybe they didn't puff it enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it needs to be extra puffed, Jasmine. <laughs> yeah, it's not horrible at all, but it's just not much at all. Gotcha. All right, let's get on to uh, getting Tim on the phone. So give me one second here. Tim, 
How are things going in your neck of the woods? Oh, they are just marvelous, thank you. How are you guys? I don't know about marvelous, but yeah, marvelous <laughs> might be a little strong. Did uh, did you not <laughs> pick up that hint of sarcasm there? <laughs> <laughs> no, things are things are solid. Um, things are going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So we're 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 in the Thanksgiving spirit over here. Um, we're thankful for all of the giving. <laughs> Tomorrow's yes, gobble gobble. Let's be day. thankful for the giving and the receiving and the giving and the all eating of the, of the turkey. Yep, that's pretty much it. Yeah, we got nice little uh nice little family Thanksgiving uh, plan here. Excited about that. So, um, well, I don't think there's any time for us to waste. Uh, this is already going to be a long episode because I was very long winded on my Cody's corner this month. So. I think it's time for MC Cody here to drop a game show. All right. Whether you guys know it or not, you're in for a game show. Excellent. This game show is going to be a Tim versus versus Eric. Um, No, actually, you only need a thumbs up or a thumbs down in this one. So... We're going to be, yeah, yeah, that's it. There are two sections to this. The first segment is just simply called True or Not True. And all I need you guys to do is to figure out if your thumb is going to be up or down. I'll say three, two, one. You guys show me your thumb. And if you're right, you get a point. If you're wrong, you don't get a point. Very simple. All if, right, we don't, most... if we don't know it, do I use a middle finger? Um, you, we'll see where, see where that, or we'll, we'll get you there, Eric. <laughs> I'll reserve that for later. We'll see. Yeah, well, that's. Special circumstance. All right. Question number one, gentlemen. The game Just Dance 2023 just came out. Was it or was it not released on the Wii this time? Oh, I didn't count to three. <laughs> well, so, so Eric already knows Tim's answer. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and uh, unscreen share because I need to be able to see both of you. There we go. It's Eric's. Okay. Okay. We got two thumbs down and gentlemen, you are both correct. Uh, Although it was released two years ago on the Wii still, uh, but they did stop it last year. I thought they might still be doing it. When I saw the new Just Dance, I'm like, I have to check and see if they still have the Wii version out. That was like the last game they kept releasing on that system. I remember, like the last thing in fries, like in the Wii section, was just just dance, like like the like like twenty twenty, probably. Yep, that's probably what it was. All right, the next question: True or not true? The Switch has sold more than the DS line of systems. That's the DS and DSi. True or not true? Are you going to count down to three this time? I am. And we have to answer. You have to answer. Three, two, one, fingers. We got two thumbs up. And gentlemen, I am sorry. You are wrong. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, wait, flip it over. (laughs) The DS and DSi sold 154 million units between the two models, whereas the Switch is currently at 114 as of last quarter's uh, numbers. Yeah. All right. I didn't realize there was that many DSs sold. That's pretty nuts. 
It's actually a lot of switches, though. That's because yeah. DS yeah. has probably covered a lot of different models, right? DS and DSi, I guess DS Lite as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. Not to mention that everyone who had one of those probably was on their fourth or fifth one because they broke all the time. That's right. The hinges broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also there's three three models of Switch now as well, we've got to remember. So yep. they've had three true. bites of the cherry on that one. That's true. That's true. So we're tied at onesies here. Okay. Okay. Yep. True or false? The Dreamcast, when it came out, broke the PlayStation's record by having over 200,000 pre-orders. Is that true, or is that false? Three, two, one, vote. Oh, <laughs> I have to laugh because Tim went, and then Eric went like a second and a half later. <laughs> it's a cheeky bugger. All right. Uh, the answer is yes, that's absolutely true. Tim, you get the point. Ah. Dang it. I think I remember that on my research. <laughs> yeah, the Dreamcast actually broke a pre-order record. That probably has more to say with the marketing and pre-ordering than it does with uh, the system itself. Yeah, so the pre-orders went really well, and then after that, it didn't sell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, next question here. The Nintendo 64 was originally going to be called Dolphin. True or False. seen some quizzical faces let's see yeah there we go i like this hand out knuckles towards the camera until we're ready three two one vote Ooh, we've got two people saying yes and i'm sorry no that is not true um that is the name of the emulator that's really popular <laughs> that was that was my gut instinct was it was no but then i thought oh, it seems familiar somehow so i just said yes <laughs> Uh, I think the project name was Project Reality, and then when it was going to come to market, it was going to be the Ultra 64, which then changed to Nintendo 64. Uh, last question from this round. Oh, yes. Don't get all vile just because you're angry. Uh, true or false, the Sega Genesis had first-party wireless controllers. True or false? Three, two, one, fingers. Oh, we got one of each. Eric says no, they did not have first-party controllers, which could be a key word. Tim says yes, they did have first-party controllers. And Tim, you are correct. No. The Sega Genesis did come out with a first-party wireless controller. It was IR, and apparently it was received fairly well at the time, but nobody bought it. It was very short-lived. I'm getting so, my butt whooped. You as are as usual. It's as three to usual. one here. It's three to one here. But Eric, I have a feeling you you the next section for this game here, for this okay. contest, is gonna come down to your skills of debate. Oh, all right. Because I wish I had a different sound effect. Maybe I'll stop it here and put in some really good music for this, because I feel like we need to. This next segment is simply called Judge Cody. Dun dun dun. Judge Cody. So, the idea behind Judge Cody is that I'm going to make a statement. Um, I, I think we're going to have to write this one on a piece of paper because your thumbs up and your thumbs down are not happening at the right time. And therefore, I think there could be some shenanigans happening here. So, you have to say yes or no. It's still yes or no. Or maybe you have a card or something. I don't know. 
but you have to say yes or no. And we have to figure out if you guys agree with my statement or not. I'm not going to read out loud uh, your answers. Um, we'll take turns who gets to be the lead. So if you guys have different answers, great. And I'm going to let you guys eat debate, each debate your point as to why you're right. If you guys both have the, the same answer, then whoever does not have the lead on that question has to argue against what they actually think. Does that make sense? This gives me a headache. So if I say... I thought we were uh, going to do a quick show today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I say apples are better than oranges, and you guys both say yes, then one of you who is uh, who is not the lead person is going to have to say no. Oranges are better better than apples, and argue against it. Does that make sense? It makes Let's sense. Go through one, and we'll, we'll Let's see give him. this a try. Yeah. So right. let me know if you guys agree right <laughs> on the piece of paper with this statements. Amiga games should only be played with the correct one button controller. I'll, I'll add to that. Never. That, that's the correct way to play it, not with the two-button controller. Do you agree or do you disagree? <laughs> now, I have opinions on this myself, but I'm going to try to stay impartial. I want to hear the arguments and I want to feel the passion. <laughs> and I want to see. Okay. So, all right. Go ahead and show me your answers on this one disagree oh we have two let's see you're not supposed to say it out loud eric but that's all right because you were the lead okay. for the first person and now we know what, eric, what tim's is eric i want you to fight your case which is you disagree with that and tim mm-hmm. you get to fight and explain why the one button controller is the only correct way to play amiga games eric what do you got <laughs> well i mean because the cd32 came out and offered a whole joypad full of buttons um i think that also, the nine pin protocol on that allows for more buttons. Mm-hmm. I think programmers should take advantage of whatever they have in front of them. Plus, I mean, one button is kind of lame. Uh, come on. Pretty bad. Gotcha. Gotcha. Defendant. <laughs> <laughs> How can I defend against that? It's just pure logic. <laughs> I don't think you understand the show. You're, you're, you're okay. Completely um, agree. I'm an Amiga him. purist, and the Amiga was generated with a single button, and that was just to fire or jump. So that's how it was back in the day, and that's how it should be. <laughs> I'm getting my long. argument. All right. Obviously, I have to go with Eric's. I felt the I felt the passion there. Yeah. <laughs> And, and Tim had to take on a fake persona to try to make that happen, so I don't think yeah. I'm buying it. Um, all right, we got uh, Eric. You got a point back. So you're getting back in this thing. Okay, getting back in this thing. All right, we're going to do this next question the same way, although this time Tim has the lead, so he gets first choice if you if you have the uh, same opinion. Okay, I get it now. Okay, so he'll get the first lead. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So don't don't say out loud. I won't what say it out loud. Okay. Exactly. I get right. it. Um. Original retro consoles should be played on CRTs, not modern flat screens. Agree or disagree? Thinking they are writing. It's like Jeopardy where the one person writes for like 30 seconds. You don't know what they're writing when it should be one word. All right, go ahead and show them. All right, we've got a... We've got one of each. This is good. This is good. Okay. So, Tim, 
since you are the lead, and it doesn't really matter in this case, but what is your opinion on this? Well, generally, when those systems came out, those systems were designed, on the games or programs that were designed on it were generally designed on a CRT. So the display looks correct running through a CRT. So the graphics, the way they were drawn, the way they should look, look better running through a CRT. No problem running against on another monitor, but the, the perfect way to run these things is through a CRT. That's how they were designed. That's how they were meant to use at the time back in the day. And that's how they should still be now. Ooh, defendant. Eric, what do you feel? I don't necessarily disagree with my colleague, Tim. But <laughs> we're talking about now. We're talking about today. And CRTs aren't going to last forever. And they are failing left and right. So if we're going to take these retro computers into the modern era, we're going to have to adapt them and use them on newer machines. And so that's why things like the retro tank and the, uh, the upscaler that you talked about, Tim, that's why these things are invented so that you can use them on flat panel machines or flat panel monitors and get some use out of them. And they're getting better and better to where the lag and the problems that Tim talks about are moot. That's right. I said moot with two O's. I rest my case. Mm. Tim, do you have anything further to say? I haven't made my decision yet. It's, it's a pretty close race here. Yes, all hogwash. My opinion <laughs> is the only one that counts. That meant nothing. T- uh, Eric, do you have any rebuttal to his rebuttal? No. <laughs> all right. You guys are making this hard on me. I... I'm torn because I have to go. I think I have to go with the better argument, even though my heart is with you, Tim. I think Eric made made a point at the very end there. He talked about reducing lag and how mm-hmm. the technology is getting there. So I think I'm going to have to give it to Eric on this one, even though I agree with Tim. Oh, it's a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing to do. The funny thing is I agree with Tim, too. The programming is uh, there. And I prefer CRTs. I, my- I, I agree with him, but it's today is today. Yeah, I mean, yeah. today is today may well be, but also you've got to take the point that if we don't use the CRTs, we don't know that they're not working. Therefore, we can't fix them. And we've got a window to be able to do that, to keep them going. Tim, I think you would have had me if you if you had mentioned that CRTs are less than finding ways to get these things to run well on modern TVs. Or if you had thrown in that... More, to me, it's more important the playability. If there's a zero lag on a TRT, that's how the games were freaking meant to be played. But I had to get that one to Eric. I apologize. Next question, Eric, you were the lead on this one. Okay. To decide, yeah, you will be going first, no matter what your opinion is. <clears throat> and we're tied up now, right? You are all tied up now. We're tied. the The comment is Galaga ninety is a much better game than the original arcade Galaga. <clears throat> I'm going to say that again. Galaga 90 is a much better game than the original Galaga. Agree or disagree? Cody's trying to get us in trouble with the I am. Uh, I'm doing the best. I can. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's writing. Tim's writing. 
It's like misery loves company. Cody wants uh, one of us to join him, and, and everyone disagree and, and argue with him. That's it. All right, let's see your uh, let's see your agree or disagree here. I agree. Yep. Well, good because you're going first, Eric. So, yep. what is why do you agree? And Tim, you got to explain why you apparently disagree. I'm, I'm going to be brief here. It, it's just it is a it is a, a sequel to the game, which sequels tend to add more features and add more function. Uh, compared Galaga ninety, compared it to the original Galaga, it's, sl- it's sl- Galaga. The original Galaga is slow and clunky compared to it. Um, there are more options. There are more uh, graphics. There are more sounds. Everything, every uh, categorically, everything is better in Galaga ninety. Rest my case. Defendant. That may well be. <laughs> Thank but you. W- would you rather have the purest experience in your arcade games? No. I would. <laughs> I would much rather play the original, pure, simple, no frills, no options. Just give me a shooter already. And that's what we've got with Galaga. That's right. Is there anything better than that? Why would you want to do anything other than play Galaga? Come on. Galaga 90? No, yeah, it's it's okay, it's good, but it's not the original, is it? <laughs> it is not the original. You're you're true. That's right. Uh, oh man. Alright. <laughs> so on this one, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give this one to Tim. I'm gonna have to give <laughs> this a drink. Bud or Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want all that those extra ninety uh, Galaga ninety calories, you know? Um I'm giving this one to Tim. The passion was there. It's bull, it's bull crap. Absolute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, I'll take I'll take my moral victory. You just kept saying more. You, all yeah. all I heard from you is more, and yes, that's right. true. Less is but, more. Uh, less is more. There you go. Ooh, that's a good tagline. That would have won it for you too. All right, Tim ekes out ahead here. We've got all right. Fair enough. We've Fair got enough. A, a couple more here. Three three more to make sure you guys each get to be the lead uh, at least once. So, All right. Tim, you're the lead on this one. The comment is, the Atari Jaguar, Jaguar, I don't even know how to say it correctly, Tim. The Atari Jaguar is a good console. Atari Jaguar, it's a good console. Thinking, thinking about their case, thinking about how they can uh, weigh in on this. All right, let's see those. It agrees or disagrees. Tim will be in. Tim will be going first, telling us why he agrees, and Eric will say nay. I agreed too. I just want the, the listeners to know I agree. No, but no, I will, Eric. I will take the opposite side. What is though. the point? <laughs> All right, I will take. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Shot yourself ahead, in the foot. Tell us what you got. Right. I agree with that fact. With the uh, luxury of time on our sides. <laughs> I agree with this statement because the Jaguar has had time to heal wounds. <laughs> of people that purchased the console back in the day and felt completely boned by that purchase um, because of the 
level of expectation from the console at the time. So I agree that with the passing of time that the Jaguar is a good console and does have some good games. Okay, okay, defended. <clears throat> so let me talk let, let me tell you about my esteemed colleague Tim here. Feel like you're you leading the, about the console here. Don't don't be trash. Yeah. <laughs> don't be calling me a racist again. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> I did You're say so that. lucky that I'm even talking to you at the moment. <laughs> I take that back. I, 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 said I, I said I was joking. Um, so, if, if you were to do a poll on the internet, people... I mean, you guys have seen the jokes about the Jaguar. Like, it is just universally accepted as the as a poor console. So you believe polls, do you, on the internet? Nope. <laughs> uh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, hey, hey. Let me have my minute. I, I I let you have your time. You've had your turn, Tim. Um, I think the the Atari Jaguar is is fine as long as you are okay with having like two good games. Um, <laughs> the rest of the library is hot garbage, and we all know it. It's shovelware. It's crap. Um, the thing sat in a warehouse for how many years before they even released it? Because even Atari didn't have the confidence in releasing such crap and now the only place you can find them is in dentist's office as some kind of freaking like proprietary tool in there right i mean it it, it's laughable it's a joke it it is a joke on the internet and and all you need to do is look at the boot up screen like all this crap on there right the jaguar is a dog no, it's go. a cat. Yeah. Whatever. It is a cat. Yeah. <laughs> the Jaguar is a dog. <laughs> I stand oh, by I what I said. It. It's a dog. Oh, man. Tim's comment made me almost want to sway my decision. But, you know, on this one, <laughs> this one, I, I think I have to... a chance for a rebuttal here. No, I've already made up my mind. <laughs> I... <laughs> if I haven't made up my mind, you get a rebuttal. Uh, I'm giving this one to Eric. He talked specifically because he talked more about the console. How about Atari didn't even have faith in it? No, um, all, all he was doing was just trash talk. <laughs> <laughs> just he did taking it, it down to he its did lowest it level. There was no did it. cogent argument there. It was what just if, dissing the console. That's America, Tim. That's America, buddy. Come on now. <laughs> It's not debate, though, is it? Let's face it. Come there's on, no, chaps. Let's have a proper debate. Are you there's doing, no are room doing... for nuanced discussion. <laughs> Whoever talks the loudest wins. Oh, man. <clears throat> All right. All right. That, no, you guys are back to tie now. Uh-oh. This, this gets to get close. Four to four. Um, Eric, you get the lead on this next one. And the comment, right. the comment is this, Eric. Okay. Sanction or Sanxian is a good game. <laughs> I like I like when I just say blank is a good blank. <laughs> All right. And then watch everyone figure out what they're where they fall on this. All right, let's see. Agree or disagree and, and don't say what it is. I'm going to say disagree. Show it to me. Don't don't say it when you have the lead. So you're going to disagree. So Yep. All right, so you just you're gonna disagree, and and Tim, you're gonna you're gonna agree that <laughs> that your namesake sanction is not a good game. So 
Uh, what do you got there, Eric? So I disagree that it is a good game. It it it's poor programming, bad hit detection. I don't remember much about the game because it's not memorable. <laughs> ooh, ooh, okay. I like what you did there. Uh, it, it's got funky colors. Uh, the sound's horrible. I, I don't know. I don't remember the game, to be honest. <laughs> Stop admitting things, <laughs> Eric. Confidence, uh, confidence. Uh, um, and that's it. That, um, I rest my case. All right, all right. Tim, why do you just... This being the first game from amazing Stavros Favlovos, Ooh. this was an absolute winner at the time. How can you say that this game was not a good game at the time this was seminal so you've got split screen action you've got amazing colors on the commodore 64 which most people whine about it being brown well it's not in this game you've got lots of brilliant colors in this game brown is delicious the shooter itself is maybe not the best over time (laughs) but if you take it at its purest level Mm -hmm. and now this is something i really want to pick up with you on the music the sound is brilliant in this two fantastic rob hubbard tunes the loading tune itself is probably one of the best music of all time on the commodore 64 then you've got the amazing uh, title screen music spot sound effects are absolutely brilliant on this the, again sound effects done by rob hubbard what more do you more, more can you ask for in the game the shoot em up itself yes it's not the best over time but it's it's a fantastic technical game and it works of its time all right all right my mind is made up now i want to say something because a light just went off on my head Years and years of, of doing, not years and years, but a few years of doing the show and a few a couple of years of doing it with you, Tim, you helped me realize something just now. And I think that is the, the, the British mindset when it comes to games, because I've been playing Amiga games and a couple other games on the Genesis that were Amiga ports. And you said, how could it not be a good game? It's got split screen, two player action, amazing graphics, good sound. No, I didn't say two player. I just said it's split screen. Oh, split screen. You're right. It did. And I think it, it dawned on me, the British mindset is the more of these like technological points you can hit, the better the game is, regardless of the gameplay. I feel like that's a thing. I feel like that's a thing. Because I was just doing all these Genesis games, and there was games that I'm like, this looks, this feels like an Amiga port, and it's impressive looking, but the, the gameplay is crap. <laughs> and that's what this game is, in my opinion, but Tim, you won this argument. You had passion, you had good points, and you sold it to me. And I would be mad at you after the fact, after I played this game, because you're wrong, but you sold it to me, so you win this this argument. So Tim gets the point. All right. But and, the game uh, does suck. <laughs> yeah, the game does suck. <laughs> oh, it's, it, it hasn't. It was good at the time, but it hasn't stood the test of time. Absolutely. I agree 100% with Eric in that respect. But, but Tim, you just told me the game was seminal, whatever that it means. It was. It was at the time. It was It was groundbreaking at the time. Um, game is seminal. But it, it just has not stood the test of time, apart from the music, which is still brilliant. <laughs> 
All right, last chance for Eric to catch up. And uh, Tim, you got the lead on this one, so Eric's at a disadvantage. Okay. Realistically, here's what I'm going to do on this one, because I just realized there's no reason for Eric. <laughs> Tim's got the lead, so you get the opposite of whatever he picks, regardless. Okay. So, so Tim, you real- show me if you agree or disagree on this comment. The original NES, Nintendo Entertainment System, controller is a great controller. So I'm going to let Tim just answer this because I got to take yeah. the opposite anyway. Yeah, take the All opposite. Right. <clears throat> All right. When you're ready, my friend. So the Nintendo Entertainment System controller sucks. And you want to know why? Because why? it's so plain and simple and boring. And the system that it was attached to triggered (laughs) continue continue i'm taking my personal bias out of it never very never sold very well over here in the uk it hasn't really stood the test of time does it does nes stand for never never ever sold (laughs) yeah exactly that yes never even sold that's what nes stands for yeah so I, I I don't particularly like the the ergonomics of the controller. I always find it feels a little bit clumsy. Um, I can't. It's just a bit. It's either too. It's either too small or not. I, I don't know how to put it. It's either too small or not too big. <laughs> it's just not. It just doesn't doesn't feel right in hand. Um, the one and the two buttons are too small. Um, and that's what surprised me that it wasn't redesigned for the American market. Hence, like the Xbox controller, where they made a massive controller for these big American sausage you, fingers. You admit. <laughs> um, that's my case. No, I do not like the controller on the NES. All right, uh, Eric, if you can avoid offending the Americans, I think this is yours. <laughs> I could see how people from Britain might think that the controller is tiny with their tiny little hands. Okay. But the truth is that the controller for the NES was revolutionary. It was amazing because before that you basically i mean you had the the master system and stuff like that but before that you had joysticks which joysticks are great on arcade machines but you're bringing in a digital a d-pad and two buttons you don't need anything more or less than two buttons you need two buttons are perfect for all the games plus a select and start button so you have everything you need in one controller i think the controller is amazing so there you go. And it's Tim, still and people still buy them. People still buy the original NES controller to use on their laptops or workstations to emulate because they love the authentic feel of the Nintendo controller. Tim is leading the witness by holding up more information during Eric's yeah. uh, testimony. Uh, I'm I'm not completely sold either way at this point. I'm gonna need a rebuttal, Tim. Yeah, people still buy them, but they use them as, like, things to hold their laptops up or to keep the doors stopped with. That is not true. Not true! Not true! Why people is it buy not true, them Eric? because they want the authentic and, and 
wonderful feel of the original Nintendo controller. The, the, the convex buttons, the, the precise digital D-pad, the select and start, the long cord. These are all things that are important. And, and the and stupid I, proprietary connection that you cannot use it with anything else. No, the beautiful connection. The we're beautiful getting, connection. We're getting somewhere now. We're starting to get some emotion here. This is yeah. good. Finally got to the meat of the, the situation. All right. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I have to ask this question. My, my, my decision is made. It, 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 was, it was always going to be your decision anyway on this. In terms no, of, no. It's, my always, decision... it's, it's a good controller. You're just going to say that because of your nostalgia with it. So I'm my... on to a losing. Hey, no, no, my, Cody, my decision he's trying is to made. sway your decision right now. He's trying Hold on, to... where's, I need my gavel. Order in the court. Shut up. <laughs> he's trying to pull your heartstrings. Don't let my him decision do that. is made, but I have to know. Eric, I think you disagree with this at heart, don't you? You oh, don't yeah. think it's a great. You no, don't think it, it's a great controller. Gosh, it hurts my. It. it hurts my hands. I can tell by your your <laughs> argument, but Tim's argument also sucked. You guys, neither one of you gets a point. I'm sorry, neither one of you gets a point. I don't like either answer. Um, thus, thus Tim wins five to four on this game right. show. So, well, congratulations, done, Tim. <laughs> I'm sorry I called your hands oh tiny. My gosh, sorry I called you sausage fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. I'll take take sausage fingers. I don't mind. Oh, and that was a game show. But that's that. I never understood why Microsoft had to make that massive, great big controller just for the American market. It just didn't make any sense. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, Yeah, they changed their mind on that one later. Yeah. Uh, Ah, that was good. That was good. Well, I appreciate you guys playing my little reindeer games here. Um, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for partaking and listening to my little uh, fun if fest here. If you are here. still listening, I, en- yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed. I enjoyed that. That was entertaining. I, I really liked it. I liked watching you guys squirm. Um, am I sharing my screen? Well, Not I will yet. be. I'll be shortly when we start catching up. Catching up with Eric and Cody and Tim and Timothy. All right. So very first question, Eric, do you want to finish our, um, we had one question during our quick question segment that was directed partially to Tim. So we need to ask it. That's right. So we answered our, our part of this question, Tim, and it was from Josh on the uh, discord. Um, And he asked us, what was our favorite British computer? And we both answered the 48 K ZX spectrum because that's our favorite British computer. But Josh asks you, what's your favorite U.S. computer? Doesn't have to be in your collection, but bonus points if it is, and no cheating by choosing anything Commodore. I don't know why he said that, because Commodore is an American company, but I'm going to follow Josh's rule here. So you can't pick Commodore. Okay. Um, I'll go with something on probably something that meant an awful lot to me um that was sent over by you guys um and uh, i think the one of the systems that i always hankered after if that's a word over there i like it <laughs> yeah, yeah it is, um, it is. mainly for the aesthetics um and that's I know what it is now yeah uh, the ti99 <laughs> i love that system um i often 
whip it out um, <laughs> and play some games on it. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a great, great little system. I enjoy that. Um, I got the, you gave me the RAM expansion and the, uh, the, the SD solution so you can play all the games. And you also sent me over the speech module, which is hilarious. I love that. Yeah. Great. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely up, up there for me. I, I love the TI 99 4A. And a little plug for uh, ARG Presents. They covered the TI 994A this month. So listen to the episode when they cover it because they cover a couple of uh, pretty good games on there that either, either of either of them I haven't played yet. So check that mm. show out. Yeah. And, jo- and Josh is disappointed you did not pick an Atari. That is correct. I bet he's, he's, <laughs> <laughs> I bet he's crying right now. Yeah, the Atari 800 was a close <laughs> one. But um, yeah, I, I love that. That that TI ninety nine four A for me just wins purely on aesthetics, if nothing else. <laughs> it's great. <clears throat> what was that, Eric? What did I hear you talking about just now? <clears throat> I am going to talk about Retro Rewind. Ca, which is a show sponsor of ours, and I want to talk to you guys about how. Let, let's say you're just getting into this hobby, okay? And you're like, "Great, I have these machines." But how do I get games onto these machines? How do I run a program on these machines? And I'm going to tell you how you can do that with the help of Frank at RetroRewind.ca. If you have a Commodore computer, you can do a couple of things. You can get a Kung Fu Flash if you have the Commodore 64, and you can pop games and programs right onto an SD card and pop them into this cartridge, plug the cartridge in, and boom, Sam's your uncle, you're in business. (laughs) <laughs> but let's say that you have an Amiga, an Amiga, and you need to figure out how to boot a uh, workbench, how to launch games. You can get the SD2 IDE device that goes inside, and you can pop an SD card in there, and you can launch workbench, all the games, and everything you want for the Amiga. And let's say that you want have a Coco, like a color computer. You can get the Coco SDC which is a super easy-to-use cartridge on the color computer. You pop in an SD card in there, and you can launch any game you want. You can get all of these at RetroRewind.ca. You can also uh, plug in a secret code, and everyone loves secret codes. You can plug in PG-10. The Konami code? Exactly, the Konami code of RetroRewind, which is a lot easier to type in. It's just PG-10. And you can put in PG-10, you get 10% off of your entire order at RetroRewind.ca. Hey, Eric. Yeah. My Amiga A600 is running yep. really slow. Do you think Retro Rewind has an option for that? Yeah. If you're, if you're trying to use one of these devices to load up a game and it l- works clunky on your Amiga 600, get the A630 Revision 2 accelerator card. It's cheap. 225 bucks. That's pretty cheap for an accelerator. Pop that in there and you are in business. And that you can get 10% off as well with the code PG10. That is awesome. So head on down to retrorewind.ca. Go ahead and put a Ford or a, a Ford slash pixel guide in there. We get a little credit that way. Just yep. an extra pat on the back. Type in PG10 at checkout for 10% off your entire order. Thank you, retrorewind.ca, for being a show sponsor of Pixel Guide In. Now, back to catching up here, Tim. What on earth was that amazing Tea Time with Tim segment where you covered the Sega Mega Drive, two mini, 
And now you're holding it in front of the camera, I think. Yep, Ta-da, there it is. There it is. It nice. Is absolutely. I, did, I don't know whether you guys have watched the video that I put out, <clears throat> but this thing is so, so small. It, is, it really is mini. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people talk about how small it is in a good way, and I don't understand, but it, I mean, it must be a thing. Everyone's very excited about that. There it is. Look. Oh, jeez. Wow. Yeah, that is tiny. And, like I say, there's, 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 um, my future was eight bit pen, the div MMC pen, <laughs> the very one that I used in the video. Yeah. And there, there it is for scale. It is like tiny. Wow. Put it up. Man, that the, is small. The, the pen is <laughs> even bigger than the, the pen truly is mightier than the mega drive. Mm. <laughs> that. Okay. It's, it is really small. Um, this is I, I love it. I've been playing this quite a bit actually. Um, I think the game selection was was pretty decent. Uh, they've got some uh, obviously Sonic CD on there, which is really nice. I love that game. Um, got Streets of Rage, Street Fighter on there, um, and they've got some good shooters. Uh, a lot of Sega so CD kind of stuff a bit for a bit for yeah. everyone. I think a lot of Sega CD stuff. I've been wanting to play the game. I I agree. The, the selection of games looks amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there, there's some interesting ones as well on there, um, <laughs> where you've got sort of like the unreleased games um, that they put on there. So there's a, a version of uh, Fantasy Zone, um, which is just like the very original Fantasy Zone, which never came out on the Mega Drive uh, because it came out as Super Fantasy Zone, so it's a bit different. So when I play it, it looks very much... Have you played the PC Engine version of Fantasy Zone? Yes, yeah, so it looks very much like that. I mean, it could, I guess, be a, a direct port of that or something along those lines. But, yeah, it looks, looks really good. Um, and, yeah, enjoying the Mega Drive 2 Mini. Very cool. And if you guys haven't checked out Tim's video, which I will admit I haven't seen the video. I listened to the audio segment, so I know what you're talking about. But uh, check out our YouTube.com forward slash Pixel Gaiden site. And uh, you can check out not only Tim's new video, but also Eric's new video where he talks about the JVC XI and some other videos and and fun stuff that's up there. Did you do a video on the most recent one as well, Eric? Did we lose Eric? We have. Have you muted, Eric? Oh, I muted Eric. Oh, Eric. Why you got to be muted? Am I back? Oh, you're back, my friend. Yes, good, I did have timing. a new video where I uh, about emulation. Yes, that will post in a few days after the release of this episode. Very, very cool. Maybe your next video will be about Famicom repair. Maybe, but I wanted to talk about my Odyssey down Famicom repair. So, if you guys remember, we talked about on the show that I bought this Famicom for twenty dollars, um, and it did not work, and I knew it, I knew it didn't work. So I took it apart. I trouble. I did some troubleshooting. I replaced a capacitor. Still didn't work. I kept troubleshooting it, um, and finally found out that one of the chips, the 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 PPU chip. So there's two main chips in this: the main processor, the CPU, and then the graphics one, which is the called the I think it's called the PPU or whatever. Gotcha. I replaced the PPU by ordering one from. Um, I think it was Alibaba, like one of those Chinese things. So oh, it's geez. probably a clone okay. chip. But I downloaded that. I or downloaded. I ordered it, got it, installed it, which was, you know, a lot of soldering because those they're not socketed on these things. Installed it and boom, it worked. 
Nice. So I think you guys saw the pictures of it, maybe on Twitter, of me playing it. Got it to work. Um, and then I ordered the Power Vamp, which is a little uh, board that replaces the... It allows you to use any power supply you want that's 9-volt, regardless of polarity. Just um, nice that you don't blow things up every time you put the wrong power supply in, which is what ha- happens in those, yes. Yep, absolutely. And then also gives you composite out, like a very clean composite out. Um, so I ordered that. It came in, and I installed it, and the Famicom doesn't work again. <laughs> oh, no. So I think no. that I think it might have blown. It's the same symptoms and everything. I think it might have blown out that cheap clone PPU. So I have another one on order, and I'm hoping that that fixes the problem, but we'll see. Um, other than that, I mean, I, I got a couple of things. Because I didn't want to uh, – I, I, I couldn't have really, after all the expense of trying to repair this, I couldn't afford the um, – a proper EverDrive for this, so I went and got like the 501 multi-cart. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this thing was like 20 bucks or something. Uh, and it worked fine. When this was up and running, this worked fine. So it has all the original Famicom games in Japanese or whatever. And it, I got it on Etsy or whatever. So I, I, I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I got Dr. Mario because I needed something to test it with before I got that multi-cart. Um, and I loved it while it worked. Um, I thought it was amazing. And, and frankly, the RF picture wasn't that bad. I mean, I got a clean RF picture. It was a Channel little wavy. 98 or whatever. What it, <laughs> yep. Whatever it yep. is. Um, but yeah, it's not working again. And I'm kind of troubleshooting that and kind of oh, figuring man. it out. I have another PPU from a more reputable source coming in. So I'm going to be installing that. And maybe next month when we talk about the Famicom, I'll have finally have a completely working composite modded one and uh, we'll go from there. There's something about playing on the Famicom that I really love to the point where, like I've said before, I want to get an ever uh, ever drive just for the Famicom, even though I can play the exact same stuff on my Nintendo. Yeah. I don't know what it is. There's something super cool about it, but now here, here's one thing I wanted to show you, Cody. So I got this okay. adapter, which converts it from, it converts Famicom cartridges to NES and back. Yep. So NES to Famicom. Okay. That's great, but I tried my EverDrive, my NES EverDrive, and it will work, but you have to flash it every single time you switch back and forth. Oh, so okay. it will work, but it's a pain in the butt. So eventually, yes, I will also get, if I can get a working Famicom and it works great, I will just go get the Famicom EverDrive. Um, but technically, you can get the NES working with this adapter if you flash it every time. But I don't want to or do just that. use original NES cards. Correct. Correct. So anyway, that's that's my Famicom stuff. And, you know, you can get Famicom stuff at another store. Stone Age Gamer. Want to talk about that a little bit, Cody? This is true. I just did a little pickup at Stone Age Gamer. Nothing, nothing we haven't talked about on the show. Uh, but first and foremost, I've been wanting one of these for a while. And I made sure to get it in blue to match the one I grew up with. This is my uh, Striker DC uh, Sega Dreamcast controller from Retro Fighters, the modernized one that's yes. got all kinds of cool amenities, specifically the fact that cord comes out the top instead of the bottom, which Those is work great. weird. Yeah. yeah, it's got the VMU slot, so stoked about that. And like I said, it, it's nostalgic for me because it's got the, the translucent blue color that I grew up with when I had that thing in college. I also picked up the Defender. Another yeah. Re- another Ooh. Retro Fighters controller. Nice. 
for it. And it's funny because it's supposed to look, and I got the gray one because it looks like a PlayStation kind of controller. It's supposed yep. to be compatible with the PS1, PS2, and PS3, and it has a dongle to do that, but it also has the PS, uh, the USB dongle, so you can play it on, uh, you know, Anything. Switch. You can play yeah. it on PC. You can play it on the PlayStation Classic, apparently. But uh, I've been wanting just a good multi-use Switch controller, honestly. So the fact that this looks retro and will play on PlayStations is just kind of a bonus. And then last but not least, I couldn't find this thing anywhere outside of eBay for stupid prices for no reason. And I happened to find that um, Stone Age Gamer had a copy of it, and it is the Evercade Renovation Collection, which is all of their, not all of their, but a lot of their Sega Genesis games. I typically don't buy collections of existing games for my Evercade. But these games are really good. And in fact, I cover a lot of them in the Shmups segment we probably just listened to on the show here. So uh, one that I would recommend picking up. I love I love that collection. Nice. Oh, that is neat. Good. Uh, and then the last thing I wanted to cover before I move on to Tim is beer. Yes, we need I'm to get have another beer, beer desperately. <laughs> and, and Tim, do you have your coffee with you this morning? I do. It's mostly gone already, actually. Noise, noise. So again, we're rating these beers out of, uh, because we're coming up on the last month of the year. So out of 12 months, um, the beer I grabbed here is actually brewed by a local school. Uh, it says uh, Sudwork Brewing in Davis, California. Yeah. Which is they affiliated. They beers in schools? Right. No. At the college there. It's from the so this, college town of Davis. Yeah. Yep. So, in fact, it says California Davis Aggies right there. Go Ags. It oh, has wow. a picture of a blue horse on there. And it's actually called uh, Gunrock Hazy IPA. And Gunrock wow. is the name of their mascot. The my, dad's, my dad and mom went to that school and met there and married and made me happen. So, this school kind of helped make me yeah. uh, in a way. And um, and now they're making beer, so I'll give back by providing them with the money for their beer. Eric, what do you got? I'm doing a retro rewind beer, which Uh-oh. means that this is a beer I've already had. Uh, in fact, I remember when you and I had this on the show, Cody. This is the Einstock Icelandic Toasted Porter. I do Ooh, remember that nice. one. Yeah, we've had this on the show before. I remember I enjoyed it very much. Uh, it is a Baltic porter brewed with ice, Icelandic roasted coffee um, with clear notes of toffee and dark chocolate. This Baltic porter is roasty and rich. It's not being perfect a, to me. A solid, solid beer. So, Eric, yeah. cheers, my yeah, friend. Cheers. And Tim. Cheers, guys. Taking a little sippy poo right after you guys take a sippy poo. Eric, nice. what are your thoughts on that bad boy? <sighs> Delicious. Delicious. <laughs> how's yours cody mm. you, have you had that one before now i've had this one i'm starting to see it more and more in shows or um, in stores my mind was getting ahead of me in fact it's funny it even says right on here this is a collegiate licensed product <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> um it's really good guys um i like it a lot some one of their other beers uh that i, I didn't did i have it on the show last time i can't remember now but they have another beer that was one of their, like a Pilsner, and it's won all kinds of awards. It's called um, the People's Pilsner. The People's Pilsner. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. Because that's a, that's a brewery I, I love. I love Sudwork or Sudwork, however you want to pronounce it. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of really good beers. 
And this is absolutely delicious. Um, it's a hazy. It's not overly hoppy. It's got that kind of sweet, hazy, but drinkable. I could see this being every everyday drinking hazy. I absolutely love it. Out of 12 months, I'm going to give this one. I think I'll give it a November. I think You're it's going to get November. November. Wow. Hi, it's really good. Mm. How's yours then, Eric? What are you going to rate that one? This one is really, really tasty. I'm going to probably give this a November as well. Maybe an early November. Early November. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Excellent. Yeah. Right, it let's, is. let's get right back into our catching up segment here. Yep. Uh, Eric, uh, Tim got a new pickup. Yeah, I did. <clears throat> um it's another kind of like imp- impromptu trip with Gary. Um, we All went right. out this weekend, just gone. Um, we were going to go to an arcade um, in a in a in this sort of like the one of the biggest biggest city near to me, which is a place called Exeter. Um, unfortunately, Exeter have a relatively popular. Um, soccer team, football team, and it was a home game. Um, <laughs> and both Gary and I do not really want to go into Exeter when there's a home game going on. We're not big football fans and there's going to be a load of rowdy supporters running around and all that sort of stuff. So we just kind of gave that one a miss in the end. Um, but we did drive down past Exeter to a place called Tot Ness. <laughs> Tot Ness. Believe it or not. Um, Tot Ness. Uh, um, and it's uh, a little village just outside of Totnes uh, called Staverton. Um, and there I picked myself up something that is a, is a replacement for something I had a few years ago. Um, it is a lovely little Sony TV. Uh, and what's special about this Sony TV is that it's actually a mini widescreen. So if I just grab the camera and I'll show you. We're going on a tour like we like to do when we have Tim on the show. Yep. Right now I see his, uh, his pants. Oh, there we go. Now I'm looking at a TV. That's a, that is a widescreen CRT. I've seen those. (laughs) I've seen those here in the U S too. They're they're tiny. So it's like a 14 inch widescreen TV. Um, so again, I'll, I'll put my phone up to it so you can actually see it for scale. (laughs) <laughs> so it's not yeah. it's not huge yeah um, but it's got all the connections on the front uh so it's got sort of like um uh, it doesn't have s video unfortunately um but it does have uh normal scart um it's got the rca jacks in the front um and uh, the picture on it is just absolutely fantastic uh and the reason why i have a lot of nostalgia for this one is uh, back in the day, we used to have Sony stores over here. Um, and that was kind of around the time when the original PlayStation was released. Um, and I, because of my circumstances at the time, I couldn't afford to get one of the original PlayStations when they first came out. Um, so I would just sort of like see the PlayStation in the, in the window, um, in the Sony store. Uh, and they always had them running on these little TVs as demo units, and I always wanted one of those. And <laughs> uh, I don't know, must have been about 2001, 2002. I saw one advertised, um, and I picked it up, and it wasn't too far away from where I actually picked this one up. Um, so I, I picked that one up, and 
I think it must have been probably uh, 2010. Um, I still had that TV, but when I turned it on, it, it, it was just buzzing. And I just threw that thing out and I regretted that to this day. Um, so yeah, I'm really happy that I managed to, uh, to pick this one up. Uh, I like how you said normal SCART as if that's normal. I've never in my life seen a TV with SCART on it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's no, normal for, for here in the UK and in <laughs> Europe. <laughs> it's a very huh? European connector, isn't it? I Scott? would love to have a TV with SCART. And I, I had to buy an adapter for my PVM, which I have a SCART adapter like hanging off the back so I can plug in anything SCART into it. But to have a to have one something with that would be amazing. I would love yeah. that. Yeah, sure. If it wouldn't cost a mega ton, I'd, I'd ship you both the monitor, no problem. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's gonna gonna cost a lot. Yeah. Cool. So, I think the next one here is mine. I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna try not to super fanboy on the Steam Deck, uh, <laughs> but I've been loving the Steam Deck. I mean, absolutely loving it. Um, and so the, uh, I'm not gonna cover some of these very to i'm not going to go in depth on a couple of these things very much but i wanted to talk about a few of them first thing is a down a downside of the one downside i found of playing some of the games on steam deck is that i i went and bought borderlands 3 because i wanted to play that and try to play it mobile yeah i'd love to play that game i, I love the first two yep and it tells you right in the game description that this doesn't play perfectly on the steam deck, but I, huh. that didn't bother me because you can always dock it and play it up on the TV or whatever. But one annoying thing I found is that because it's playing on a Linux system that is on the steam deck, um, it has to do this thing called like, um, caching the shaders or whatever. And so when the game starts, it takes about 20 minutes to cache all of these textures wow. Now, after that, the game will launch right away and play just fine. The only problem is every time there's an, a, a significant update to the game, which, as you know, happens often on Steam, it goes through it all over again. And on the second time it did that to me, I just uninstalled it. I was like, this just doesn't play very well on Steam Deck. <laughs> nope. And I'll play it on my other PC, so I'm not down the money or whatever. But that is one downside when it tells you that a game may not play that well on Steam Deck, you should believe it. Because, it, I mean, it played. When it played, it played great. But having to wait for that texture loading or whatever was a nightmare. Um, so anyway, that's one downside, early downside I found. Um, a couple of the games I've bought on Steam Deck to play um, are um, RimWorld, which... I didn't know there was this huge community for RimWorld. Have you guys ever heard of this? I've heard of it. I've I've seen I've seen it. It's uh, intriguing. It, it it is super deep. Anything that can happen can happen in this game. So like, you basically are these. The the plot of the game is you're these three people that crash land in in these like escape pods on a spaceship, and you land on this planet. And you have to basically, from scratch, build up a building and cook food and develop skills and basically kind of develop this little world into a camp. And then, like, it, it's it's a hard game to explain, but it is so deep. And 
but easy to pick up. I will say that there's not a big learning curve to it. I mean, it's not that hard to pick up, but there'll be these other factions that come in from, from other communities and they come into your world and events are thrown at you. One thing about this game is that it is story driven. So, um, you can, from the beginning of this game, you can pick three different AIs and the AI that you pick determines how often random events happen to your settlement. So like you could pick an easier one or this guy that looks like a punk rocker dude. And if he's writing your story, just crazy wild things will happen to your, your camp. And I mean, crazy things like you will fall in love with different people and you will have arguments with different people and your base will catch on fire and a guy has to have skills in, in, in like putting fires out to be able to do that. The game is insane. Like the level. And I've only played about an hour because I needed to move on to other games to research for the podcast and stuff. But this is one of those games you can just play for forever. And there's a big modding modding community that basically changes the art and the game style on this. I, I haven't even touched the surface on this game, but it is insane. And I'm looking forward to it because it looks like a blast, but it's, uh, I think you actually just talked me out of it. It seems like a very cool thing that requires so much time that I don't have. Correct. That's yeah. what I'm running against is yeah. that I keep wanting to play this, but I'm like, I don't know if I have the, a lot of time to play this and be able to play other games as well. So, and I have to say, looking at the graphics and the video and stuff, it looks like a really bad flash game. Yeah, so I, under, I mean, I it does that have that gameplay kind of feel is to king. It. Gameplay is yeah. king, so I totally get it. But yep. I would never be drawn to this game unless you talked about it. <laughs> yeah. So, well, uh, I'm sure in future episodes of Pixel Guide, and I'll talk about how I'm getting along with it, or if I just abandon it. Who knows? But um, so, cover a couple other quick things is Warblade, which is the yep. the guy who made Deluxe Galaga. This was one of the first um, kind of tests I did on the Steam Deck was, hey, I want to take this game Warblade, which is kind of an older DOS or Windows game. I don't know what you call yeah. it. Um, as an older, older Windows game. And I, I was like, hey, can I get this to run on the Steam Deck? Because I really want to try to play this, this game, Warblade. And I won't go into the details. I tried to buy this game legitimately and... They took, they basically took my money, but then they didn't give me the game because I don't think you could buy it anymore. Um, I did get a refund because it was through PayPal. So I got my money back and everything, but the people are just radio silent that sell this. So, and I know the original author passed away, but his family was kind of took over the reins. Um, but you, you, I, I couldn't buy it legitimately. So what I did was I got a copy, and I'm, that's all I'm going to say, quote, unquote, I got a copy <laughs> from somebody. Uh, I don't want to throw the guy under the bus, you know, but he did give me a, a, his copy of it. And I went to work trying to that get this. That means I know a guy. guy. Yeah. That means I, I know a guy that can get me a copy. <laughs> exactly. Now <laughs> I, won't name it, I won't name his name. Um, but I went to work trying to make this work on the Steam Deck because, you know, Steam Deck is running on Linux. So I was like, okay, I've got some things to learn about how to make these games run. Couldn't have been easier. I mean, it was simple to get this to work. Um, you basically just install it and you, you get the executable and you run it. And then you have to use this layer called Proton, which in the Steam configuration, you add it to Steam and you just say, hey, use Proton. And then it just works. 
And I've been playing this on my Steam Deck and loving it. So War Warblade is a fantastic shoot 'em up, kind of in the vein of of Galaga, but much more complex. It's like Galaga ninety style. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now I have to say, looking at it, I feel yep. like Vector Blade is still better. I haven't played this one, but I'm just I'm just looking at it. I feel like Vector Blade is still the way to go if you've got Could a Vector. Be. Yeah, I've been having a I've been having a blast with this one, so I've been playing it uh, here and there, and it's it, I, I, I'm loving it. Well, so. you might need to help me acquire a copy of this. I need to try this as well. Yeah. I've I've played all three this month. Okay, um, and yeah, every time I still want to go back to Vector Blade. Yeah, Vector Blade um, is fantastic. Deluxe on Gallagher. I was playing that just the other day. Had another yep. game on that, and it's. I mean, they're they're three brilliant games. It's tough yep. not to want to play those games anyway but yeah if you're lucky enough to have an original vectrex and lucky enough to have vector blade then that's just the way to go um it, it, just another quick very quick aside um gary gary came over af- after we got the tv and he played vector blade the fir- for the first time and he was blown away by it it's absolutely brilliant it is awesome uh, I'm not going to dwell on Necrosmith too much because I haven't played it very much. I played it for about a half an hour. It was recommended to me by The Retroist, which is another guy that does a podcast called The Retroist, and it's awesome. Um, but I, I'm getting more into it. But it is cool. You build undead people from parts like legs, arms, bodies, and torsos, and you build undead huh. arm. You build an undead army that is more like a tower defense game. So you build these guys, and then you set them loose in this world. And they go and do things. So that is a great game. Um, I think I'm going to really enjoy it. But guys, I got to tell you, I'm in love again. (laughs) I am in love. (laughs) And that game that I'm in love with is Brotato. Brotato chip. (laughs) And listen, I've always loved potatoes. I I always tell my wife, wife, I've never met a potato I didn't like. Whether it's mashed, roasted, scalloped, whatever, shredded. Hash brown, whatever. <laughs> I love potatoes. And this game, Brotato. So here's the plot of the of Brotato. You are a potato that land, lands on an alien world. And you can wield up to six weapons, melee or projectile. And you run around in an arena, an enclosed arena. And at the end of every wave, there's 20 waves to win the game, to win with this character. And a- as you win, you unlock more characters. So I've unlocked like 35 characters already. Okay. Nice. So what you do is every Yukon character has potato, different red russet potato. Exactly. <laughs> every potato has like different statistics. So like melee percentage, um, speed, blah, blah, blah. You can see them on the right hand side of that screen when you're, when you're taking a look at it. So basically when you complete a wave, you get to buy, cause you can see he's running around collecting materials. You can buy and upgrade your skills and weapons and that will, so you could basically configure your loadout for your potato. <laughs> and when you configure your loadout, you go into the arena and, and you have to be in there for X number of minutes or seconds. And then if you can get to the end of that level, you get to go choose different things that will raise or lower your stats. And those stats are very important when you're, when you're competing in the arena. And when you beat, when you get to wave 20, you fight a boss 
And if you beat the boss, then you've unlocked a bunch of things for that character. But like I said, there's tons of characters. There's different potatoes that you can play. And all the potatoes have different stats, like starting stats. Like there's one called a brawler, which has enhanced functions for 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 uh, melee weapons. And then there's one called a, a multitasker, which he can have up to 12 weapons, but he has some negative aspects to him as well. So, I mean... This game is so deep, and this is the game I'm in love with right now. I mean, I, I have, I have already, I just bought this what yesterday or the day before, and I've already sunk 20 hours into this game. Oh, jeez. Yep. Wow. So, That's saying something. I love this game. <clears throat> I, I've seen this game around, and this is one of those games again that if you tell me about it, I'm probably gonna fall in love with it. Um, but I was turned off because even though everyone seems to love it, and I see it everywhere. To me, it looks like um, Robotron, but yep. with crappy flash graphics. Yep. The videos don't do off, this one justice. Yeah. Which is a turnoff to me, but gameplay is king, and I know that, and I, I'm sure if I play this, I'll get hooked. There's so much strategy in this game. I mean, it looks so simple and crude, like, like what you're saying. It's kind of crude, like the graphics or whatever. Yeah. But trying to figure out the perfect loadout to 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 try to advance to get to the boss is the whole game and it it it's just been consuming my time i am loving this game it's probably going to be my game of the year wow because i thought cult of the lamb was going to be because i've i I love that game i'm still playing it but i think brotato will eventually win oh brotato but anyway speaking of uh games yeah, a couple quick ones I've been playing. <laughs> that's that's a, always that's a good, a good transition. segue. Always a Nailed good. it! <laughs> Crushed it. A um, couple quick games I've been playing on the Switch. We were doing tactics games for our um, Six yes. Good Games segment. And so I didn't pick this one because I was just starting it at the time. But there's a game called uh, Invisible on the Nintendo Switch. It's been out, got great reviews, but it's kind of one of those under-the-radar games you don't hear too much about. And it is a tactical turn-based strategy game uh, done kind of, you know, kind of like XCOM, but a little more claustrophobic. You're kind of these, if you want to call them like CIA agents on this, on the, in this, you know, futuristic world where you can teleport, right? And they teleport onto these spaceships. I'm trying to find some videos that you guys can follow along with me. Uh, Nope. Not a good, and 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 it can't really describe the gameplay um, without without seeing it. And we just click here. There you go. You can kind of see some of it. Is but it there's the second one in. Is that got video? Yeah, I tried that. It didn't work last time. Let's see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It works, but it's got this kind of simple um, hand drawn um, cutscenes. And then the actual gameplay is kind of a uh, isometric grid based, you know, square grid, not hex grid uh, based tactical game where you're these agents and you infiltrate these like spaceships and there's security drones and guards and stuff. And you're trying to hide behind things. You only have so many move points Um, and the enemies, you know, the guards are walking around. They have a field of view. You can see with a red kind of a red uh, triangle out in front of them to see where they're looking. You can sneak up behind them and, you know, zap them with your stun gun, which keeps them down for three turns. And uh, very cool, very matrixy. Um, you know, it's it, it's cool, and I could see getting into it. Um, I played a, a number of levels and, and 
it is good. It, I don't know if it's 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10 good like everyone online keeps saying it is. Uh, maybe if I keep pushing, um, I've only put about three, three or four hours into it. Um, but if you're into tactical games, especially games on the go, I think I got this one for sale for like six bucks or something. Uh, normally 20 bucks, but that's called Invisible Ink. Tactical Espionage. Pretty cool nice. game. And if you're into that kind of game, I think you would love it. Would I be um, wrong in thinking that kind of like looks like a modern day syndicate? I have not played syndicate, syndicate, but yes, the the theme is correct. Yeah, yeah. I've not actually played that. So, uh, and then the other one I want to talk about really quick is a game that was went on sale for a buck ninety nine. It's been in my wish list. I think it's normally like four ninety nine, but when it got so cheap, I'm like, ah, I'm gonna get it. It's a game called Gun Knights, and this game looks super cool. Um, do I have to type in? I have to type in switch here, otherwise you guys aren't gonna be able to see it. Uh, here we go. Let's get some video up here, and I'll tell you. I'll ask you right off the bat when I press uh, play on this video. What what kind of game it reminds you of? Um, <laughs> it is definitely a modernized version of this game with lots of different levels and different gun upgrades and all kinds of things that make it more fun. Um, but it's a fun little time killer. I'm not going to say it's an amazing game, but w- when it goes on sale for a buck ninety nine, you got to pick up Gun Knights and play around with it if you're a retro gamer. All right, here we go. We got the video going. Hopefully. Play? Play. Question mark? Play? <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> we, got, we, got a, we got some sort of picture on the screen here. If it doesn't play, I'll just have to kind of show you some, some skill shots. Um, I mean, the, the visuals look really... The stills specifically look really nice. It's not going to work for me. It's just going to go ahead and what is this doing? Hard out on me. I don't know. <laughs> but basically, it's a game where you're these like space marine kind of things, and there's these enemies here. You can see a picture of it here. Really nice hand drawn animations. Uh, but it's essentially it's ping. So you only shoot directly. Oh yeah. Up. You only shoot uh-huh. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You only shoot directly. And it's funny because I've never gotten along with ping. Like I've never enjoyed, really gotten into, enjoyed a game of ping. Here we go. I got the video going now. Uh, but you're like this knight, and you shoot, and you can do two players at the same time, like ping. Um, and you only shoot directly up. You can get shotguns, you can get machine guns, you can get like nuclear weapons. Um, and each uh, level has its own kind of challenge, and you can earn money and points in those levels and turn that in for more weapons and all that kind of fun upgradable stuff. But it's it's a fancy version of ping. So Guns and Knights for the Nintendo Switch. Check that out if you are a ping fan. or even I if you ping. Or even if you, like me, wanted to get into Ping, but it's just never quite worked out for you, Gun Knights might do it for you. That is all. Cool. That looks great. Um, Halloween was last... But we haven't talked to you since Halloween, have we, Tim? No, no. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just suddenly realized on, on Halloween itself, um, the best game to play is obviously Pump Kid on the Vic 20. <laughs> that was my, that was going to be my new resolution. I failed already. I did not play it on Halloween. Yeah. I, I managed to do that. So I, 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 I kept it real for pixel guide and on, on Pump Kid on the Vic, Vic 20. Um, yeah, I, not much to say about that, but I just, just wanted really just to highlight that one that I managed to manage to play it. And, uh, it's a great game. It's great fun. Um, <laughs> the witch was always getting me, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a brilliant, brilliant game. 
Which were the yeah, I had a like I, I remember I had like a session with Pump Kid that I mean it, that really is a really fun Halloween theme. That's my favorite Vic Twenty game. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's really good. It's a good one. Along with um, oh no, uh, what's the what's the snake one? <laughs> uh, Nibbler. Nibbler, that's it. Yes, yes. yeah. Nib- Nibblers. Yes. They're, they're both uh, both done by the same person. Really addictive games. They are great yeah. fun. Got my copy right up here. Of, of pumpkin kid and nibbler so you can emulate the vic 20 on uh, lots of different systems yes you can what, yes you what, can do you including think you can get that on the mu doc yep so continuing my fanboying of the steam deck but this one i'm bringing it back to retro gaming um i decided to install emu deck emu deck which is a platform for running emulators on the Steam Deck, and it couldn't have been easier. It literally is a one-file install. You just take a file, you install it, and it's there. Now, after that, you can tweak emulators, and you can get download like um, uh, box art and you know the different screen art. Um, but the Emu Deck basically just installs a ton of different emulators that you could run on the steam deck. And the two that I focused in on for now, I, I did get the game boy one to run and that was dropped at easy. I mean, you, there, there is no configuration. You just go get your games, put the ROMs on the steam deck and you're good to go. But the two I wanted to test the most on because I, what I really want to use the emu deck for is mainly disc-based retro gaming systems. Um, and I guess it excels at that. And so not not just disc-based, but those, those systems that are a little bit harder to emulate, kind of like the N64, which I know is cartridge, but also like the PS2, the Sega Saturn, the Dreamcast, those kind of games, which are always a little more challenging. I've heard the Steam Deck just has kind of the horsepower to make those run better. So the two I focused in on this month, and I'm going to continue trying other platforms, but is the Saturn and the PS2. Um, Let me just start with the PS2, even though I put that last in my notes, but the PS2 couldn't have been easier. You download the BIOS files, you do have to go grab those, and you drop them into a folder, and then every PS2 game I ran runs like it it's native to the machine. So I played Burnout 3 Takedown the most, which is one of the more challenging games to run on PS2. And it ran like a dream. I'm still playing it. I love that game. Uh, but uh, I played a couple of other games on the PS2, and they all run very, very well. So no issues on PS2 running it on the Emu Deck. The Saturn, it, it's hit or miss. So, like, I tried Radiant Silver Gun, and it's perfect. Runs perfect, nice. perfectly on there. Um, but then I played Daytona USA, and it, the graphics and sound work work fine. But for some reason, the controls weren't working right, and huh. I didn't dig into it enough to figure out why. Um, it's probably a setting in the emulator itself. But um, did you but try the, Panzer Dragoon? I did not try Panzer Dragoon, no, but I will. Um, but those are the only time, things I had time to try out. And and uh, like I said, I tried Grand Theft Auto uh, Vice City, and that ran perfectly fine. Uh, 
Emu deck is, is, is a really easy, there are other emulation platforms you can do on, um, on, on this, on the steam deck, but Emu deck is a, like literally a one click, like you just run Emu deck and it just handles everything for you. Oh, the other thing I did, and I didn't put this in the notes, but I did want to mention it. I got, I downloaded coin ops three legends and it was an SD card image, and I literally just blew the image onto an SD card, popped it in, and I have CoinOps on nice. my Steam Deck. And it runs perfectly, like no wow, issues at all. Cool. And so nice. you can swap SD cards on the Steam Deck. So like I swap one in and I have Emu Deck with all the ROMs and all the emulators. I swap another one in and I have uh, CoinOps Legends 3, and then... Um, on the Steam Deck itself is where I keep all the the games for the Steam games, the more modern games that I play. So it's such a versatile system, and I, I know I'm fanboying fanboying about it, but it, I love it. I've Eric, been, Eric's king emulation now. Every time we talk on here, you're you're emulating some other systems on some other system. I'm still your boy. I'm you still got, got the retro. I still got the real things. <laughs> you got the Mister, and now you're on the Steam Deck, and then you're Pico waiting. You're Pico eight, and I don't oh, even know man. anymore. I can't keep up with you, Eric. Pico eight is. I, I think brilliant. it just says a whole lot about the situation, doesn't it? It's just that you yeah. you need to try and find ways to do things on the move. You're not always in your office and doing things in there, so you've got to try and find ways to play these games whilst you're mobile and you got it tim because i my daughter's volleyball stuff is starting in january like her we're gonna be every weekend we're gonna be on the road because she she's advanced to like the next level of volleyball which is the power teams and uh every single weekend we are out of town now reno san jose um san francisco that'll happen Every single weekend now. So I'm going to take my Steam Deck and be able to emulate any game I need to do for the show or whatever. So I'm ready to go. Eric needs to know all the ways to ignore his daughter in person. Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't, I watch the games, but there's time in the hotel room. No, I totally get it. I totally get it. I'm just messing yep. with you. I mean, you did call Tim a racist. So I did. I did. <laughs> um, I'll be quick on this one. I already mentioned on the last show, but I got super into Vampire Survivors again. Lots of updates. Great game. It's also on Xbox uh, Gold now. Yeah. Played on there. Uh, but then I found a game that I've been looking at for a while. It's been on my Steam library. And it's actually, the reason it piqued my interest, it's actually a native uh, modern Amiga game. Um, Interesting. I think it was written for Morph OS. I think it was also, yeah. what was the other one, Amiga OS 4? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was written for that, but then of course, to make it financially viable, they ported it over to steam. Uh, and I got it from steam steam. And that game is called tower 57. Now this game in screenshots looks like, um, kind of like chaos engine engine, but when, and they describe it as a chaos, chaos engine esque game, but it is so much more than that. Um, this video shows this guy's face in the corner, but it is a full-on kind of top-down twin-stick shooter like Chaos Engine to a point, but uh, with like action, um, action. Uh, what do you call it? Adventure elements. I mean, you're going through a story. You're, it's very themed. It's a uh, cyberpunky kind of um, 1940s Art Deco meets cyberpunk, steampunk kind of a thing. And you're trying to. Uh, everybody in the future apparently lives in these towers, but the towers are like. 
you know, future back in the 1940s towers and entire cities are these towers, but the towers battle between each other. So you're trying to figure out what's going on with Tower 57 where you live. And uh, there's some kind of, you know, corporation that's taking over the tower and manipulating things. But anyways, my goodness, it's a cool game. It is a very cool game. Um, came out in 2018, apparently. Uh, but I, I mean, I was on Steam and it had like 50 reviews and it said mediocre. And I don't know who these people are or what they're thinking, but this game is really cool. Um, so I, I would suggest if you can find it on sale like I did, especially pick it up. You can be a number of different characters, uh, a man, a woman, kind of a, a you know, a Dick Tracy type. Um, you know, it's kind of isometric here. It starts here in the train station. There's even some um, choices you can make, whether you do certain things or not that may, you know, kind of push you to the good side or the evil side. Um, super cool. Uh, if you play it with a mouse, the mouse becomes the reticle. Otherwise you can play it with twin sticks like I did with my controller, which is the way I prefer to play it. Great looking graphics. Um, it's kitschy. It's funny. Um, there's a few things in there kind of level design is actually really nice, but there's a few things where you catch them and you're like, Oh, that's that part was a little amateurish the way they tried to handle that. But for the most part, it's, it's a solid game. Um, and I would recommend you guys at least checking out a video and see if it's your style of thing. I, I mean, it's cool. It's cool. looks interesting, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's very Indiana Jones. I love the graphics. Yeah. Yeah. So I did get a morph OS machine up and running, like on one of the Mac minis that I had. Oh, cool. And I remember reading about this game and wanting to download it and try it out on that. But um, I could never get the Morph OS working correctly enough to play this game. So I'm, I'm, it's, ex- I, everything I read about this game that it was amazing. But it is. I, now that it's on, like I can play it on an actual machine and not have to use a Mac Mini with Morph OS on it, <laughs> I might actually want to play this. It's fun. It is cool. I have not finished it yet, but I will be finishing it. Um, if I were to guess, I'm probably three quarters of the way through. I've played um, probably six hours of it. Wow. So. It looks cool. I, I, this, is the, this is in my wheelhouse. This is the kind of game I really like. It's worth playing. Cool. That was it. Awesome. Hey, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, Tim, have you played Vampire Survivors yet? No. Yeah, you got to do that. <laughs> you gotta now do that, now Tim. it's full price 4.99 so <laughs> um yeah so a uh, quick one from me uh one of the guys uh when i was still on twitter <laughs> um uh, geordie marv i think it is um reached out to me and asked if i had a spare commodore 64 tape deck which mm-hmm. of course i did um i d- dug through a load of different ones and was doing some just loading some games up just to test uh, to send him a, one of these out. Um, and I came across uh, in, in one of my collection of obviously physical games, um, 3D Pinball on the Commodore 64. Um, and I got quite hooked on this, actually. Um, it's it's a really neat uh, pinball game on the Commodore 64. Um, it's not sort of like the, the top down. It has actually, as the name suggests, is 3D. Um, there's some nice uh, sounds in the game um, and the, the actual look and the feel is very much sort of like a kind of like, a, what's it, the electromechanical style? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but the, the ball physics for the Commodore 64 is really, really nice. Um, See, it looks good. when you look at it kind of on a video or something like that, it looks a little bit jittery. Um, but when you're actually playing it, it's actually got a really nice look and feel and there's some good features on the table. Um, some bonus, um, bonus parts. Uh, you've got the, like the traditional flippers and, um, bumpers and that sort of stuff. And there's some targets that you got to hit and some, uh, uh, loops that you can perform. Um, but yeah, it's, it, Press, it really actually. surprised me that there's something of this kind of like quality. And this was a Mastertronic game. So it was a budget game. So it's probably only like one ninety nine or two ninety nine or something like that at the so time. Just this one table here? Yeah, it's just one table, just one thing. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's not something that you could probably sink hours and hours into. Um, but if you wanted just a quick pinball romp on the commodore 64 i definitely recommend loading this one up and giving it a try i'm impressed um, it's it's nice i'm impressed yeah. i have to ask what are the controls how do you hit left and right um it's on the keyboard yeah. and i think it's uh yeah it's, it's got to be like shift and commodore yeah button. i think it was i think it was on the keyboard and also you can use i was using a joypad um, so I think I was using left and the fire button or something. Oh, I, I can't remember now, but, um, yeah, I, I haven't got the keyboard would make sense. I'd feel more pinball like, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a great little game. Um, I, I would, I would thoroughly recommend that on the Commodore 64. If you can, um, pull that up on your SD to AC or your Kung Fu flash from Flat. our wonderful show sponsors, retro rewind. Dot CA. That's cool because most most common. I mean, Commodore sixty four isn't without its pinball games, but they're all two D. Like the yeah, there was like pinball construction set, and that's right, yeah, yeah, and yeah. a couple other ones, but they're all like two dimensional. I that, I think that's might be the first three dimensional one I've ever seen. So that yeah, was, actually I was, looks I was quite really surprised. cool. I mean, I had it in the, in that box for years, never even looked at it. Probably thought it was going to be really janky on the Commodore sixty four, but no, it's it's playable. It's nice. Go. Hey, so speaking of the Commodore 64, let's talk about it. Agreed. So I heard that the new Eye of the Beholder, which is a game ported from the Amiga and other machines to it's being ported over to the Commodore 64. I had heard about it and I went and grabbed it. It's free. You can download it from CSDB. Uh, they don't even ask for any money. I'm not even sure they can because of licensing. I Correct, don't think they yeah. can make any money off of it or whatever. But I grabbed the Commodore 64 version and played a little bit of it. I put it on my Kung Fu Flash. It works great. I mean, it is um, it it is pretty much Eye of the Beholder, which is usually on much more advanced machines. But this one is on the Commodore 64, and it's everything you you are used to from Eye of the Beholder. It's a basically a dungeon explorer where you you know move through a three dimensional dungeon by going left, right, up, you know, forward, backwards. You have four people in your party. You have weapons, and you can drag and drop them for your inventory system. Um, but it's all in a Commodore 64 now. So, I mean, it is pretty amazing. Yeah, it looks, it looks beyond the capabilities of a Commodore. That's pretty impressive. 
Yeah, for the for uh, in in the in the video you're showing, they're playing it on a Commodore 128, which actually does support two monitors. Isn't that crazy? Oh wow, look at that! Because in the Commodore <laughs> 128, there's two different video chips. There's the VDC, and then there's like the 40 column one for the Commodore 64. So with a Commodore 128, you can actually use two different monitors to play the game. One showing your map, and one showing the 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 play. That's crazy. The play area. That would be cool. Yep. Yeah, and then That's I cool. played on the Commodore 64, which, you know, you can hit M to get to the map, which it does show a map, which in, in, in and of itself is a really neat little feature. But um, I, it looks like it's going to be fantastic. I don't know what else to say. I mean, it is Eye of the Beholder. I've played it before on the Amiga. Um, but to have it on the Commodore 64, it looks like it's uh, one of those games that looks like it shouldn't play on the Commodore 64, but it does. Yeah, it'd be nice to try just to um, see that. Uh, the two monitor setup looks really cool, doesn't it? Yeah. Nice. Cool. Um, I have a few quick Steam games. So uh, well, I want to talk about um, these games. So it's funny. I've been looking for the last few months for a game that was really going to like engross me and like, you know, take over my life. <laughs> like games that I get so into. Yeah, exactly. Right. I want to find my Brotato. So I was looking for a game that would uh, that would catch me, and I got caught by like four games at once. Eric, one was Tower Fifty Seven, yeah, um, and Tim. Um, the next one was this game here, Dusk, which I've had in my Steam library. I bought it a while back. I hadn't got around to playing it, but essentially, it is a, a, a newer game, first person shooter. Kind of feels, looks, and feels like uh, like Quake. Yeah, I would say like Quake. Although it is very, um, it's very Cthulhu-ish, which of course is my thing, right? But it, it's um, you're kind of in this farmland in the in Middle America, maybe, and there's some kind of cult going on. So you're going in these like barns and farmhouses and churches and stuff, and there's underground areas. Um, but it's just fast, furious mouse and keyboard gameplay. Uh, you know, shotguns with that visceral shotgun sound and. Um, there you go. He's flipping switches to open doors, like very old school, you know, post doom, uh, 3d first person shooter game where you find, find secrets and, um, you can dual wield pistols. And if you run out of all that, you have a, I think like a sickle or something. That's your kind of primary melee weapon, just super cool old school game. And I just got caught up and instantly I'm like, man, I remember how great these games were where you could play a first person shooter for like, you just hop into it right away without any story. Just there's bad guys, go get them, and you go. Absolutely. Um, and the the lighting in this looks really nice because it's kind of spooky. Like I noticed in darker areas, like you can only, I mean, it, it, it's like it's not fully lit up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got, yeah, exactly. You're, you're going through the shadows. You got a flashlight. It's kind of, it's very, again, very quake. Um, yeah. Very you know, atmospheric. It's awesome. Here's a, here's a guy with a bag over his head with a chainsaw. Very creepy, um, super quick, twitchy first-person shooter gameplay. So check out Dusk. Absolutely love it. Kind of finished that game. The next game I started playing was on my Xbox. So I've got a game I'm playing on Steam there. Actually, two, a Tower 57 and Dusk. And then I started. I finally got around to playing Ori in the Blind Forest, which I'm sure you've heard of. I have. Um, I see it in the store all the time, but I've never pulled the trigger on it. Same thing with me, and it's just, I've heard it's absolutely gorgeous. I heard it's a Metroidvania, both things I very much like. So I finally got around to playing it, 
And I, same thing. I think it's about a 10 hour game. This first one, the second game, I think it's called Ori and the Will of the Wisps. It's supposed to be more in depth and, and a bit longer, but I'm starting with this one and I'm absolutely going to finish it. Um, you're, it's a Metroidvania. You're, you, you go around, you get things, you go back, but it's gorgeous. There's all kinds of abilities you unlock. You have to use them all to kind of transverse the world. Um, and you're this little sp- glowing fairy sprite thing that looks kind of like Lilo from Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. Or Stitch, I guess. Um, I can see that. Yeah, you're, th- you're that guy. Um, super cool game. Doesn't necessarily do anything uh, new to the genre. It just kind of perfects it and does it in a very beautiful way. Awesome sound, awesome visuals, very atmospheric. Love the game. So Ori and the Blind Forest came out in 2015 at this point. So it's a seven-year-old game. Uh, but I'm, I plan on finishing that before our next show. And then the very last one I want to talk about, believe it or not, I am engrossed in a mobile game. Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> right? I'll put iOS in here. So this game is available if you want to on, on the Nintendo Switch for $14.99, or you can put it on your iPhone or I'm sure other systems with a touchscreen for $1.99, which is what I paid for it. What? And this game is great. It is called Severed. And it essentially is kind of a modernized dungeon crawler um, made by the same team that made Guacamole Drinkbox. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that It has that the game. same art style, and it's kind of Hispanic, kind of like kind of like Guacamole to a point. The art is very, um, uh, you kind of have to see it. It's very Guacamole. Um, kind of these very simple colors, uh, but it is a dungeon crawler. You, 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 know, you go forward, you turn left, you go forward, you turn right, you encounter creatures. But the there's basically the going through the dungeon becomes a puzzle element, right? You've got your map and you're trying to figure out how to use these keys to open these doors and these levers. And then some are timed, some are not, and you got to get through here. But ultimately the gameplay becomes uh, fighting these creatures and you fight them purely with your finger. And it's kind of like fruit ninja, but more, more uh, strategy based. You got to fight each creature a different way. They'll be blocking from certain angles and you got to figure out how each creature fights and sometimes you'll get, um, you know, as you're playing more and more, you'll get attacked by three, four creatures at once. And so you're trying to attack these, this creature in front of you, but then the one next to you is about to attack. So you got to hop over there and, and block them and then attack them and move to the next creature. And it's it works. It sounds like I'm just talking about chaos, but it works. And it is very cool. Um, absolutely loving it. Definitely worth uh, the $2.00. Uh, I think I'm eight hours into it and I'm at the last dragon right now. So that will also be finished by the time we record again. Very cool game severed. Oh, and the best part, the reason it's called severed is because when you finish off an enemy, you get a a certain amount of time, which changes because there's RPG elements. You can level up, Um, but to cut off their limbs. And so like when you cut off their limbs, you can go basically to a store, turn in those parts, those body parts you cut off and turn those into to buffs and to upgrades. So there's an RPG aspect to it as well. Super cool game. Absolutely love it. Got to play it. And it's got Metroidvania aspects in the fact that you eventually unlock abilities that allow you to go back to other parts of the game to unlock doors and things that you've noticed before. But now you realize, hey, I can open those. Um, a lot of gameplay in there. So severed. I will move um, on now. That yes. game. Have you ever seen this cartoon adult cartoon <laughs> samurai jack i've never watched it but i have seen footage of it yes i've heard of it 
that Never art seen it. style is exactly like Samurai Jack the cartoon. And it really I is. love Samurai Jack. And that game looks absolutely brilliant. I've got to give that a go just for that. I wonder if cool. the creator of Samurai Jack has any kind of input on that game because the the art style is just absolutely bang on for that so maybe they use that as an inspiration or what i don't know but uh look yeah, into it look it, into it, it just looks so 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 familiar to me yep severed for a dollar 99 on your phone you can't go wrong and again you could pay 14.99 and do the same thing on your switch with the with the touch screen but i don't see a reason to um yeah check it out very very cool Cool. I, play, I played that a lot while my family was sick. They, they caught a virus. <laughs> and I'm not kidding, they did. But it's also yeah. a good segue, right, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the one of the games I um, used to play a fair bit on the Atari ST was a game called Virus, um, which is kind of like a, I don't know if you guys have seen it before. It's a uh, sort of like a 3D kind of shooter. Um uh, but this was originally created on the Archimedes, um, and it was a game called Zarch, I think it was. Um, and then uh, this was ported over um, onto the Atari ST. Um, sold an absolute ton, this game. It's really, really um, technical, again, technical for its time, but a brilliant game good. as well. Good good fun <laughs> to play. Um, and because of look, kind of like that 3D element to it, it's kind of got the they're not textures but they're obviously color shades on there um but it's it's all controlled by the mouse um but yeah it's it's a it's a great game and this is just one i'd just been thinking oh i must really kind of find a copy of this and um i just i just picked one up on ebay it was just just a recent uh pickup and got it for a good price uh so i just thought i'd mention that um and you know if you haven't played it before um, on the Atari ST, and there's also a version on the Amiga as well. Um, give it, give it a try. It's a nice game. Looks I love cool. how those, I love how those uh, package games over there come in plastic cases. Yeah, <laughs> it feels <laughs> like you bought something, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, so I'm going to keep this one short, but I did, uh, and I think there's probably more interest for Tim, is I did end up buying C64 OS. Uh, from our guy, uh, Greg, his name's Gregory Naku. Yes. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah. Sounds, sounds about right. Um, but I, and I tinkered with it. I spent one, one full night, like maybe three, four hours just tinkering with C64 OS. And it is brilliant. It is really cool. I'm hoping that more things come out for it. Uh, right now, the only game related thing is a game of chess, which is a two player game. Um, but it is a nice proof of concept. I mean, the the OS is great. I just hope that more stuff comes out for it. But I did purchase it. I got everything. It's a great package with the manual and everything. Uh, if you want to check out different like operating system things for the Commodore 64, it's worth checking out. But I'll keep it short. So that 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 was my experience with it. It's um, on my list as well to get that one. Yeah, and it it, it it's all it is really cool. Hey, so I don't have my ZX Spectrum next yet because it's I got it in the second batch. And, of course, I have not received it yet. But I do have the Mr. And there is an excellent ZX Spectrum next core on the, on the Mr. Because they're all FPGA. So it's a pretty authentic experience. Um, 
So what I did is I rolled up my sleeves and I hadn't messed with my ZX Spectrum Next Core, so I had to update it, like the firmware and the operating system and all that stuff, which I'm sure, Cody, you've, you've done on yours maybe. I don't know. But to, on my play, next, yeah. to play this game, you have to update to the latest versions of the firmware and operating system. I'm so jealous right now, Eric, by the way, that you got to this game before I did. I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little upset. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, so I, I was did. so excited I, went, I found about this game, and I'm like, I need to get that and play it. Yep, I bought it, and I absolutely love it. It is fantastic. I spent a whole evening playing this game and getting really far into it, I think, to where I'm almost beat it, but I didn't. The only da- the, downside is you can't save in this game. The game in so, question, by the way, is Vradark's Revenge, which we talked about on the last the news on the last episode because I saw this thing, and I'm like, man, that is... yep. That is a next level Spectrum game, which is perfect because it's for the Spectrum Next. That is correct. And and that I was going to mention, I got this because you mentioned it on the show as a new game and you were worried because it was like wasn't getting that many downloads. You remember that? Yeah. And even when I went and checked it out, still didn't have like it had more, but not a ton. This game is. Is awesome. I'm just going to say that I love it. It is fantastic. It is kind of like a Chaos Engine style game. You do have to use a mouse on this, but on the, on the next, which I didn't know. Um, I don't know if you've ever played a game on there with a mouse. I haven't, but, but I did read that, and that was the one kind of turnoff I was a little worried about. But no, it works great though with the mouse. You don't have to, but I, I think it would be clunky otherwise. It's kind of made for the mouse. Uh, it doesn't hold you back though. It works great with the mouse. Um, the graphics and sound are amazing on this game. I played it for a whole evening. I got really far in it. I think if I sat down for a whole evening, I could probably beat it. But it, it's, it's, a, it's a lovely game, kind of like a Chaos Engine top-down shooter. Use a mouse and a keyboard to play. Um, beautiful game. So Vradark's Revenge. I bought and purchased it, and it, it's, it's an awesome game. That's the kind of game that I was expecting on the Spectrum Next. So yeah. it's it is a next level. It's not like a a regular Spectrum game. Doesn't look like a Spectrum no. game. Um, nope. Looks more like a you know a Super Nintendo game or something along those lines. It just looks really nice and yeah. uh, obviously plays really well as well. Like I really think they could take this game and throw it on Steam as a kind of a retro pixel inspired game. You know what I mean? And it would do really well because it is yeah. a real. It, it's a fun game. Absolutely. Well, that's it for catching up. Um, I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about next month, but until then, it's time for us to have a battle of the systems. Battle of the systems. And Tim, (laughs) you chose this battle for us, so how about you introduce these games and why you picked them? Okay. So we have got um, some 8-bit system games. So we have um, Alteron on the BBC Micro, and we have Bandits on the Commodore 64. Um, The reason why I picked these games um, is I've been playing a bit of Bandits, and then I was thinking that would be nice to try and shoehorn that into the show somehow, into uh, <laughs> That's the how I do it. <laughs> Um And I had my uh, BBC Micro out, and I was just uh, running up a few games on there. Um, and 
it, long story short, I was trying to get tape loading working on my BBC Master. It wouldn't work. Um, and one game that I literally just picked off of the shelf that I'd never played before was Ultron. Um, that's the wrong one. <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let, let's let's try Ultron first. Um, so this is a uh, obviously a, sh- a single screen shooter on the BBC Micro. Um, it's a wave shooter, uh, similar in style to Galaforce on the BBC Micro. Um, a lot of people know that one shooter, probably a bit more, but pr- probably a bit better than Ultron. Um, this one runs at a slightly slower pace than Galaforce and the enemy actually fire back to you, which, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if you guys know Galaforce that much. I, I don't think the enemy fires back to you. It's just sort of like mega fast waves on Galaforce. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Ultron has three different objectives. Um, first is to destroy all the ways of the aliens. Uh, next up, you have to shoot and avoid the asteroids as they race towards you. And then you dock with the mothership. So when you dock with the mothership, um, you get a bonus awarded to you based on your shooting accuracy. Hold on one sec. I, I think that Viper one is the one you want. Is it really? Yep. That's the one. Okay. That's the, that's the manufacturer that makes it. Yeah. Yeah. Or the, there's there's actually two different publishers, but it actually came out by Viper. And they're Uh, different. They're different games. They're similar, but they're different games too. Yeah. There's two two different games called Ultron and it's the one, one most was actually published by uh, Viper. Yep. Um, where was I? Uh, yeah. So you've got the, the shooting accuracy, is very important on this game because that's where you get your bonus at the as you go through and complete the three different parts of the games. Um, so that's marked by uh, the photon wastage bar at the bottom of the screen. Um, uh, so essentially, um, if you miss, uh, the more photons you waste and the more the bar de- depletes and your potential bonus decreases. Um, you can play this one on either keyboard or joystick. It is a single-player-only game. Uh, graphics are nice and colourful, as you would expect from the BBC. Uh, some great uh, zapping sound effects as normal. Um, and if you do choose to load this one off from tape or from disc, um, you get some uh, loading music on it as well, which is quite nice. Uh, this has um, <laughs> a high degree of difficulty <laughs> for me anyway, <laughs> with the, uh, with the, the way that the aliens sort of like come on in waves and also the amount that they shoot. Um, it's kind of like a space invaders bullet hell. This one <laughs> it's just crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, th- this one was just one that I loaded up and I just couldn't believe that there's, just these hidden brilliant shooters on the bbc micro maybe they're only hidden to me i don't know but um maybe they're only brilliant to you (laughs) oh there's that possibility (laughs) yeah okay fair enough um so that's that's kind of like my take on ultron what did you guys think eric so i want to tell you the positives about this game i thought that I liked that every wave of enemy came required a different strategy. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so some of them were just like space invaders where they go across the screen, you're just shooting them. Right. And you're like, okay, this is space invaders. Wank, wank, wank. And then you, then the next wave comes and they're like these guys that start flying down towards you and you got to use a different strategy for that. Mm-hmm. And then the next wave, these guys go on kind of a serpentine configuration, more like centipede. So one thing I found really cool about this game was that every screen required a different strategy. So yeah. um, I, I I did think that was cool. Another thing with the BBC micro is I always love the opportunity to pull out my BBC micro and play it. Cause the, I think the graphics are always the colors are bright and beautiful. Um, I I gotta admit I did not get the photon wastage thing at the bottom. Like I, it just didn't click for me. I didn't pay much attention to it. Probably should have to play the game better. Um, but with that said, it was still bright, colorful shooter, different strategies. I, I there wasn't much to to really hate in this game other than that. It is very, some of the waves are very difficult. Um, You will get killed a lot. Um, I felt sometimes you couldn't fire enough. Like, like it does have that thing where, which which isn't the game's fault, but I wanted to fire more. And it's like, it, it, I don't know if it was, you can only have one bullet on the screen at a time. Is that right? So that's the game's fault because they specifically limit it. Yeah. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. Sorry. That those are my thoughts on it. What about you, Cody? Yeah, I mean, I agree with. I guess I agree with pretty much all that. It 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 definitely feels very Apple IIe to me, which is mm-hmm. kind of what the BBC is in in, in England. Um, uh, colorful, but kind of a little choppy, a little uh, still a little rudimentary. Uh, you know, somewhere between like the Atari twenty six hundred and the uh, NES kind of vibe. Um, I, I definitely appreciated basically it felt like playing space invaders, but with a lot more going on. Um, some of my issues again with, with Galaga is that if you miss any enemies, it's kind of, you time out and you, if you miss an enemy, your score is screwed for the rest of the game. This doesn't have that. You just try to survive and kill all the enemies and move on to the next one. Uh, I love that about it. <clears throat> uh, I had a, the hardest time with the asteroids level where like these meteors yeah. are coming down at you. Mm-hmm. I just seem to die there a ton. Um, it's it's solid. I would I would play it before well before I play something like Space Invaders again. Um, it kind of falls in that kind of. I always talk about Phoenix on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred and the arcade, which I finally played in person with you guys in San Francisco. Kind of falls into that realm. It's kind of like Space Invaders Plus, and I enjoy it for that. Um, and that's kind of where I fall in it. Cool. Okay. <clears throat> so we need to pick a rating system. Um, what, what what can we go? We have a C64. We have a BBC. Do you want to stick with the, uh, the, the, the month one? <laughs> I was enjoying that. We can do that. We can do Let's keep that going we'll for the full show here. So out of 12 months in the year, which month are we given Ultron from Viper specifically? Yep. <laughs> uh, by the way, which was better than the other Ultron? Um, yeah, it was. The, yeah, that, I will give it that. that <laughs> so I'm sure we yeah, all played definitely. the other one on accident and then yeah, went, yeah. oh, shoot, that's not the one I'm looking at. Yes. Um, yeah. So what do, what do you guys think about this one? Which month? Were you going to go with Eric? I'm going to go with late August on this one. Late August. Um, 
it definitely feel it, it. I don't like saying that it, it doesn't hold up today. You know what I mean? I don't like saying that because I do try to wear the boots of the times, you know, but it's a little clunky. It's a little, um, you feel restrained because of the firing in this game to me, you know, um, I love that every screen requires a different strategy. I think that's amazing. That, that keeps it fresh. Um, but yeah, I think August is about r- right. That's what I said, right? August. Yeah. 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 I'll I go think ahead. August is about, is about right for me. I'll chime in too and say, I agree with mm-hmm. everything Eric said, except for the fact that I don't give a crap about the time period this came out. I'm, I'm playing it today. Mm-hmm. And today it, yeah, the single shot thing is the main thing that kills it for me. It's very space invaders. And the fact that you're the ship at the bottom of the screen, that's very long and fat and easy to, for the enemies to shoot. Um, which can be frustrating, but it's part of it. It doesn't really detract, but it doesn't add. Um, I did not also get the photon wastage thing. I probably should have figured that out. Um, Tim, maybe you can uh, expound upon that in a second, but I'm going to also give it an, an August. It's just kind of a, a decent, a decent mm-hmm. classic uh, Space Invaders clone. If you were a brotato in this game, you would be a December. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, I I think uh, I'm pretty much there the same with you guys. Um, Ironically, I think the first, the best game of this that I played was my first game. (laughs) I got all the way through uh, to the mothership, docked it, and, uh, you know, started playing a bit further than that, then kind of like gave up. And then after that, I never got to the mothership again (laughs) at the end. You learned learned enough about the game to know there's more to do and you couldn't, and I couldn't couldn't get you back couldn't there. Yeah. yeah, that's funny, Tim, because I was very similar. Like the first couple of games I did were my very best, and then when I overthought it, it like if you, if you overthink this game, you do worse at it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna go. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go the same. I think it's it's very much an August game, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Simple enough. Um, okay. Uh, next up, we have Bandits on the Commodore 64. Now, funnily enough, Cody mentioned that we should have done an, a battle of the educational systems because <laughs> this actually came out on the Apple II. But we, I, we, we, if we thought about that, that probably wouldn't have been a, a bit earlier. That would have been the best way to compare it. But anyway, we did the Commodore 64 version. Uh, so Bandits, I think I've mentioned this maybe last month briefly on catching up that I'd been playing it. Um, but this was written by, uh, Tony and Benny Ngo, I think it is how you pronounce it. Um, and Lenny Batoni. Um, this was written by the same people that did Park Patrol on the Commodore 64, which was one of my all time favorite games. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, it was also published on the Atari 8-bit and the VIC-20, and they all look really solid versions of the game. Um, because it's relatively simplistic, it kind of works across all the all the different 8-bits. Um, so Bandits is a single-screen wave shooter, uh, but with a difference. Um, the patterns are normally based on one set of aliens per level and can come in five waves of up to five Bandits. They move from left to right on the screen in random patterns, firing your laser ba- firing at lo- your laser base as they go. Um, the aim is to zap 
each wave before it gets to the right-hand side of the screen before they steal your fruit. But it's not actually just fruit. I thought it was, but it's not. There are other items that they can steal as well. Um, You start each level with five of the same item um, on the right-hand side. So if you survive the remaining levels, uh, sorry, the levels with um, an amount of items remaining, you get a bonus per item that survived. Um, So not only is this about clearing the alien waves, but saving your precious fruity resources. Um, If an enemy does grab your item, you can take it back by shooting them and then grabbing your fruit back. Uh, On the left-hand side of the screen, you have a count of how many enemies are left on that level. Um, And I believe there are 28 levels in total. Uh, At the top of the screen, uh, you've got your score and how many lives are remaining. Um, At the bottom of the screen, you've got your high score, so your previous high score, and a bar divided into nine segments. Each of these segments is a period of time that you can activate your shield, which is absolutely essential in this game. Um, You press up on the controller, um, and then that activates the shield for that period of time. Um, That's the kind of like the dry statistics. Um, I... You know, I've I've played this game a fair bit. Um, it's a it's a nice, fun-paced shooter. Uh, it's got that point of difference with it, with collect uh, obviously rest, saving your fruit as the aliens try to get it over onto the right-hand side. Save that fruit. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, there are, I think, as you go through, there's like screws and discs, five and a quarter inch floppy discs that you have to save and other other bits and pieces like that. But for me, there's kind of like little little bits in this that are nice where you've got not just the standard at patterns, you've also got um, another little dastardly alien that comes down and he sort of like dodges your shots all the time as he comes down the middle of the screen. That guy's a jerk, um, man. There's also kind of like these, um, I don't know, four pointed aliens that when you shoot them, they um, sprout four or five uh, little uh, orbs or balls, and they bounce on the bottom of the of of the bottom of the playfield. Those guys um, are jerks, man. Yeah, <laughs> everything is, and they just kind of like hover around you, and you've really got to use your shield when they're about um, to to try and pick them up. On this screen right now, it's not fruit; it's submarines. Submarines, they're still there we go. Submarine. <laughs> but they're not yellow. <laughs> they are not. They are purple. So, Cody, what do you think of this one? This game has probably so like, like you mentioned all these ideas and concepts and things that are happening, and I noticed it all. But ultimately, what it came down to is shoot as quick as possible and dodge stuff and just pray. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I, over time I learned all these things and the shields are important. Like you said, you'll run out of those quickly, but like the enemy patterns are bizarre. Those guys that come down it and just dodge your shots are infuriating because it doesn't matter how skillful you are. You're just shooting and hoping it finally hits it. Um, and I know I sound like I'm being negative right now. It is a lot of, it's a Commodore game, so I guess they're technically sprites, right? It's a lot of sprites on the on the playfield at the same time. Lots of bullets, lots to dodge. Very exciting, lots of action. Um, it, it's funny. I don't know how to rate it. I don't know what my opinion is of it. It is just so busy and crazy that I can't tell if you can actually get good at this game if you just shoot and hope the whole time. 
Um, the more you learn about the systems, the more you realize I have no chance of doing well in this game. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I got to the point many times where you either shot all the enemies as they were forming in the upper left-hand corner, or they all got down to the to the bottom right-hand corner where they to- took your fruit. Now you're just trying to shoot them before they steal all your fruit or submarines or whatever there. It is a very unique game. It is definitely from the era of games where they're like, how do we do something more than what's out there right now, right? They're trying to yeah. figure out different gameplay types. Like, I want to do more than Space Invaders, but how? And at, the an- that, at that point in time, the answer was just more of everything. And this yeah. is more of everything. Yeah, um, yeah I don't... I, w- I would load this up again. I would load this up again. I, I can't say uh, I'm blown away by it. So I'm- I'll go ahead and give my score real quick, even though I know Eric's probably about to give his take. Um... I'll give it a September. I'll, I'll give it one better than August. All right. Listen up. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I have one more thing to say. I'm so sorry. The bullet, no, the bullets look just like the Starfield in the background. They and do. I, and I got hit do, all the time, not realizing those were bullets and not stars in the background. Continue. Sorry. Nope. I, I agree with everything you said. So I'm not, I'm going to try not to reiterate too much about the, the, the specifics of the game. Um, let, I agree with everything. I I liked a lot of a lot of parts of this. The 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 shields obviously is an element that is a lot of fun. I mean, I like that in asteroids too when you can activate shields or whatever in, in asteroids deluxe or whatever. Um, let's talk about the bumps, the lovely lady humps. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I I hate those things. Um, the thing on the right hand side of the screen is, mo- is so frustrating because when an enemy s- swoops in there and grabs one of your thingamajiggers, fruits, we're just going to call them fruits. You can't get all the way over to the right, which is constantly frustrating because I want to shoot him right when he comes out of the gate with the bet with the thing. You have to wait till he gets all the way to the top of the screen and starts to make his way over the top. And I understand why they add that in there, but I, that frustrates me so much because I just, when I see him grab something, I just want to be able to go over and as he's ascending upwards, shoot him. And that, for some reason, that was like the thorn in my mind, like during the whole game was, I can't get over <laughs> all the way. I got to wait till he starts making his way to uh, across the top of the screen. That really bothered me. Um, so that was a big negative for me, but the variety of aliens, the, the differences in their formation, the, 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 the type of weapons they drop at you. Um, there's a depth to the game because aliens will come down, then they fly backwards. So you can't shoot them because they're further away and then they come forward. All of those things, um, make it, way more interesting than Viper or Ultron on the, on the BBC micro. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it, it, there's a lot more going on. There's a lot more to dig in, dig your teeth into in this game. Um, So I'm going to give it an October. Oh, wow. It's an October for me. Yep. I mean, I, I, the funny thing is I spoke a bunch of negative stuff, but it was really because you spoke all the positive stuff and I don't want to reiterate everything. So I did enjoy this game a, a bit more. I do like 
Ultron, but I, I like this one the better. Tim, what's your rating? Um, yeah, I'm going to go with a solid late October, I think. Ooh. <laughs> All right. You yeah, like I, it. I really enjoy this one. Um, so something, something with me in this game, just gel. I, I just, I just find this great fun is I often just find myself just playing this one now. Um, so yeah, for me, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a great game. Um, Ultron is, is, is a, is a good shooter. Um, but it is ultimately quite frustrating. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's like I say, it's uh, the first game of that is the, the, the pinnacle for me. And then after that, I say, <laughs> so kind of went downhill on it but uh this one i can just i can like you say there's more to get into it you've got the shield element and uh so you you stand a fight well an almost a fighting chance if you've got some shield left in in this on different levels um but yeah that's interesting uh, that you I say think, that yeah. i actually i, I actually find one, uh, although i prefer this game i actually find this one more frustrating <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the deaths in this one are cheaper than Ultron. Ultron, when you die, you die because you you died. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's an interesting well, choice of words, but but yeah, this one is thing the I wanted to game. one thing I wanted to point out is when I first started to play this game, I played it on the Mister just because that's what I had on my desk, and the shields activated all the time for some reason. Huh. Like it must have been the controller that I was using in conjunction with the Mister. And I knew that wasn't right. And then when I watched gameplay, I was like, yeah, you should be able to just push up to activate this. So uh, I pulled out the real 64 and played it and I had a much better experience with it. So I don't know why there was a difference there, but um, I do try to play these on original hardware. And that's what I did with both of these. So, um, yeah. Cool, cool. Cool. I liked it. I thought it was. A, I thought they were both fun. I just uh, think this one's a little bit better. Bandits. Well, there you yeah. go. the uh, The gauntlet has been thrown down. Decision has been made, and an episode of Pixel Guide In has been completed. Uh, that is ninety five episodes in the books, gentlemen. Ninety five. Woo! Working our way up towards one hundred. Jumping, um, Jiminy! Ninety five episodes. Ninety five episodes. So uh, thank you guys all for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, feel free to reach out to us, given our show information for any suggestions, uh, complaints, whatever it is. We <laughs> will likely read it on the show um, and uh, and uh, take it to heart. So we really appreciate you guys listening. Um, happy Thanksgiving to all y'all from America. And uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Moving forward here, we will have our christmas episodes coming up next followed right after that by our end of the year new year's episode coming out on december 30th in which we will be talking about our favorite things of the year which we're all just now thinking about i know i can see all of our brains moving like oh shoot that's right i got (laughs) i gotta come up with our favorite things of the year that'll be episodes 96 and 97 respectively and I'm sure I'll do something special for 100, which will be in February, my birthday month. So, yep. very cool. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for doing this with me. I'm thankful for you two. I'm thankful for you two. Yes. <laughs> very cool. So, we will catch you guys in December on the 15th. But until then, remember, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to go, go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. 
please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction, that's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>